Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm the reboot revival of a classic property you weren't really sure about, but after a few episodes I've warmed my way into your heart and proved your childhood nostalgia can be improved upon. She's the genre-defying game-changer that's made waves, created powerful fandoms, and forced adults everywhere to question the validity and cultural impact of a medium traditionally reserved for hawking toys to children. It's Justin and Mandy, and this is Attention Deficit Discussion. (laughs) Wow. Thank you. I'm really impressed. That's a better intro than even you give your brother most of the time. Oh, well, I mean, I actually thought about this one. (laughs) Uh, So, for those of you who are first-time listeners, normally, I, Justin, and my brother, Jacob, do this podcast, as you may have noticed in almost all of the promotional material and the descriptions on the page or whatever. Um, Yes, most of the time this is a bros podcast. Yeah. Um, today we have a very special podcast because due to various circumstances, Jacob is unavailable, but has given his blessing. And so my wife, Mandy, is making her first and, oh, definitely not last guest appearance uh, and filling in for him today. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to be here. I hope I have some insightful opinions that aren't just rambling as opposed to most of your guys' podcasts. No, 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 no. The rambling is what they're here for. Oh, then I'm sorry about the drop in numbers after this podcast. <laughs> your your concise answers and straightforward topic. Uh... We'll just see, like, a, you guys will be climbing, and then all of a sudden after this podcast, like, it just... Well, it's a short climb. We've only had a few episodes, so it's not really that big a deal. Oh, but the spike will be immense. I will create the spike. Hey, for all we know, everybody's going to be like, wow, someone who actually knows how to answer a question, and, you know, this will be, like, our highest rated episode. Potentially. For like a year. Potentially. You know. Regardless. Before we let's, sh- let's not let's not get into that yet. I mean we haven't even started the podcast. Yeah, yet. we're we're mostly just speculating at this point. Which is pretty much what you and your brother do most of the time. No, mostly we critique and wax nostalgic. It's it's kind of the same thing. I will say it's very odd to be on this side of it after listening to all of your guys' podcasts so far, especially because I'm so used to hearing the intro music that it's like, where do I start? Oh yeah, no, don't worry. Because I do a lot of the editing, and the last thing that I do when I do the edit is add the intro-outro music. And it feels like, after all the hours of editing that I do, that last bit, putting the music in, it goes from just being a bunch of, you know, Jacob and I blathering, to it it suddenly feels like a podcast. Like an actual piece. Yeah, and it's great. I'll have to say, though, like, for most of the people who are listening, they they won't know this, but I work during the day, and when you guys are doing the podcast, I'm never here. And so when I'm able to listen to the podcast, it's always way later in the evening after you guys have already posted it, it's updated, it's edited. And so I, I never really hear the process except for one time when I got to see behind the camera and that was a pretty cool experience. Yeah. 
So I'm only used to hearing your guys' voices together now, followed by, like, jingles. <laughs> well, I'm happy to have you. I have been looking forward to this. Um, As have I. I'm really excited about our jump-off point today for our topic. Well, I mean, we've talked about having you on. Jacob and I wanted to have you on as a guest because you have some serious expertise in a few areas that we're casual amateurs at. And so. I'm lacking. I'm sorely lacking in others. And most of the stuff we talk about. Exactly. Which is why <laughs> your brother and I's conversations are always so great. Normally him berating me for my lack of pop culture knowledge that he deems appropriate. Yeah, he's, um, he and I are both very passionate about the things that we love. He's just much more insistent that other people love them, too. We'll have to have me on again and talk about the movies that you guys are forcing me to watch. Yeah. Oh, no, speaking of that, um, I, you know, normally, before we really get into it, as I'm sure you know from listening, um, we typically kind of go over how the week's been. Yeah, I was waiting for you to ask. Yeah, I mean, I know we live together. (laughs) So, that's a little bit easier for the two of us, but, you know, for the listeners here, um, what's been going on with you? I have had a week of a week. It feels like... You know what? You know what? In order to explain that properly, I'm getting ahead of myself, which is pretty common. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, hi. Okay, so, hi, my name's Mandy. I am, as Justin has already said, his wife. We are coming up on our 10-year anniversary. And I am still alive. In March of 2021. So thankfully we made it through 2020 just fine. I am an HCA, which is a home care aide. I work in the medical field helping individuals at home to be able to stay in their houses and make sure that they live the best life possible. I, I absolutely love my job. I'm a bit of a nerd, although for the longest time I hated that word. But I think it was because I grew up in the era where it had just gone from being, like, not cool to being extremely cool to be a nerd. And so it was one of those, like, I'm not a nerd. That's, like, so mainstream. I thought I was the hipster. Oh, I'm not anymore, but that was definitely a hipster about being a nerd for a while there. Okay. Until you got me into tabletops. I love me some tabletop RPGs. Now, I I, I would say I could definitely agree with the the sentiment that you are a bit of a nerd. Yeah, just a bit. You're, uh, you're not, you're still, you're still blossoming Blossoming into into that. Uh, we're working on it very yeah, hard. Very like so, I can talk about tabletop RPGs. I can talk about most common animes now. I've gotten into that. I absolutely love reading. Like books are my downfall. But talk to me any, about any important movie of the last fifty years, and I have probably no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, maybe the last twenty five. Because I like old school stuff. Let's be fair. I like me some black and white. And some. You realize that we were in color. 50 years ago, right? I'm actually... It's 2021. 50 years ago. Holy crow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. 10 oh, years no. ago was 1990. It's... I know. I get it. So, and you're not even old enough for that. So for the last... You're not old enough for that. So for the last 50 years. Yeah. Shoot. I apologize. I apologize to the people out 1971. there. 1971. That's crazy. That was 50 color. years ago. We definitely had color at that time. We went to the moon. Like, holy crap. You know what's really funny? What? So I have these conversations all the time. So for those of you also who don't know, I'm also younger than Justin by quite a bit. He snagged me early. Yeah, she'll be graduating from middle school next month. Yeah, I'm so excited. But my dad is in his 70s. And so I grew up with a father who was a lot older than me and had experienced things like his family had experienced a Great Depression like just a few years 
Yeah, they <laughs> they remember when the world went to color, which yeah. is why she gets mixed up sometimes. No, and my dad actually does remember when the world went to color. So did we... I ever tell you my grandfather used to talk to us about what it was like before God invented dirt? Yeah, and I think my dad had a very similar conversations to me growing up. My he said dad it was, it was really crowded on the ark. Yeah, my dad also was like went to Bible college and went through all of seminary so we had very interesting conversations about the people that he knew from biblical times we, we still have very interesting conversations my dad's an interesting sort we should have him on the podcast at some point oh gosh yeah he we'll, could talk uh, movies with you and jacob that'd be interesting <laughs> anyway um so have yeah I, have i explained myself well enough I, I think so i think that's enough of a primer everyone can get the rest from context clues so how's your week been uh my week has been a week of a week as i've said before um i got sick which sucks all on its own thankfully not covid i'm okay but i did get sick so i had to be off work for a few days and that always throws a wrench into my week because i don't know about anyone else out there but when i have a set schedule especially when it comes to work and i miss those few days it might be relaxing at first but when you get back into work everything else has just piled up and you just need to like re-establish what your routine is it's almost like you have to you have to go back through and remind yourself what you do. Yeah. yeah I've and had those. so, and especially with like my job. So I absolutely love my job where I've got, I have a kind of a set schedule, but the things that I deal with on a daily basis, they change regularly. So one day never looks like the next day because people are different. People mm-hmm. change. People's routines are constantly in flux. And so when I leave on, say, Tuesday and I'm gone until, say, like, thursday or friday my whole idea of what i thought the week had looked like completely just dropped in, in case you're wondering why the vagary vagarity you know what jacob would tell me it's not a word anyway Forget so it doesn't really matter it. yeah um it, in case you're wondering why she's being somewhat vague about the topic um it is a healthcare profession there is things like hipaa that you have to worry about so uh, yeah, there's HIPAA. a lot she can't actually which is say. why i said i help individuals in their daily lives at home yeah that's a which, very big description of my job which i think is a real shame because she could come up with much more interesting and mysterious ways of talking about her job but she she just would you rather talk about my job would i rather talk about your job what do i do for a job justin what do you do for a job yes. You go to people's houses mm-hmm. and you help them have as independent a life as they can with whatever disabilities or challenges they have that would otherwise That's impede their progress. That's not very mysterious. Yeah, no. I said you were saying I can make it. So oh, oh, you mean do I want to give you a pitch? Yeah, go for it. Oh, okay. Pitch okay. me my job. Um, I'll say it if I hire you. <laughs> Oh, gosh, now you put me on the spot. I hadn't thought about this. My wife does for people what people cannot do for themselves in order that life may continue. I would argue that. I'll I'll semi-hire you. We'll put you on temporary. We'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't say what they can't do for themselves. I help accentuate the parts of them that they might have a little bit of struggle with in order that they might achieve their full potential. You help accent- so you're an accessory then? I'm a daily life accessory, yeah. Yeah. So you got sick. That was pretty awful. It was pretty awful, but it was also a really awesome weekend, although that was exhausting, and the last week bled into this week, and so it was like two weeks in one. My fantastic brother-in-law was able to come down and spend spend the weekends with us, which, which was is part of the reason, that's, that's part of the reason why the podcast is being done uh, a week late. Uh, we were disrupted by family plans, so apologies for uh, not posting that on the Twitter. Yeah, it's Jacob's um, fault. 
No, it's it's my fault. I'm the one in charge of the Twitter, and I'm I'm just I'm not very. Oh good no, at Twitter Twitter's yet. definitely your fault. I'm saying the podcast isn't happening with Jacob. Oh fault. yeah, I'm blaming. Jacob. Yeah, he hijacked Jacob. the entire Jacob's, weekend. Jacob's not here, so I can blame him. Yes, he's a force of nature. So definitely. Also, I have watched more movies in the last week than I have probably watched in the last year. Mm, I don't think that's true, but at least maybe the last six months. Boy, it's been a lot. That's true. You even watched a lot of movies in lockdown. So I will say for anyone out there who does not know me. I love movies. Don't get me wrong. I miss movie theaters with a passion. That used to be our go-to date night would be, let's go see a movie, especially on Tuesday nights when they got those discount nights. Yep. I love me a deal. And we'll go watch something. And then have dinner. Yeah, and then go have dinner. And it doesn't even have to be something that we potentially, like, thought we would enjoy. Like, we've gone and seen movies that we were just like, it sounds okay. And then normally they're actually really good. That's how we saw Hotel Transylvania. Yeah. Yeah, we were like, it's late, let's go. We also, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we also saw Wreck-It Ralph that way, too. Yeah. Those are both really good movies. They are. Um, I, I hope I explained myself well. I think you did great. Okay, cool. I think you did so great. that's me. So she loves movies, yeah. but um, she has a problem with watching movies? We've tried to dissect this a thousand different ways. I... Uh, you. We need to just... It's, it's something, I'm sure, that, like, some, like incredibly brainy psychologist no, could somebody, probably understand. somebody out there probably understands. I can watch a movie in a movie theater just fine. It's an event. I go there to watch it. But at home, movies just aren't my thing. I will watch television. I watch YouTube. TikTok, man. TikTok has been a hole that I've fallen into. Yeah, I should hard. never have let you download that again. Yeah. So I should have taken your phone and like, well, I should have locked that app out somehow for your own safety. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Not that I would ever no. do that. Mm. No. Anyways, but, yeah, no, that is that is my downfall. But movies take a lot of energy. And so, while Justin's brother was here over the weekend, we had nothing better to do than for us to sit in a room, all three of us, and finally force Mandy to watch several movies she's never seen. Movies like Goodwill Hunting, Fight Club... And Gladiator. Gladiator. Yeah. Yeah. We also saw The New Mutants, which was pretty cool. Yeah, we went and rented that one because it just recently came out. Well, I guess only four movies. Man, it feels like so much more than that. But they were really good See, movies. See, for you, that was that was like that was like a, an uphill yeah. climb. For me, that was like an average weekend oh, growing up. But I will say, I will, <laughs> I will say. Wait, hold, hold on. Do you want to talk about them now or do you want to wreck them at the end? You know what? We'll wreck them at the end. All right. That's fine. So, but movies is a really great segue into the topic, I feel. Oh, Justin, how was your week this week? My week? Um... Since I was rambling for the last five minutes about my week. Right. Well, let's see. We both spent the weekend with Jacob. I also spent the car rides up and back, because he doesn't currently have a car from his place. He lives up in Lacey. It's a really nice drive, though. No, it's a... Yeah, it's a great drive. I love it. And I, I enjoy driving, so it was nice... Uh, both for the time I had to just relax and for the time that he and I had just in the car to chat. I There is a reason we started this podcast. We like to talk to each other. He's one of the people I am closest to as I an am, adult, which I is great. I am really glad that your brother is now closer to us. It was so hard for you guys. To yeah, separated. when he was in Illinois, it was really, it sucked a lot. Yeah. Um... Of course, back then he also had like stuff going on full time, and I was working full time, and so finding time to connect digitally was difficult back then. Oh yeah, totally. it's a lot easier now that like um, that that we're both in different places. Yeah, so. and I mean, you and your brother always growing up were really close, anyways. Yeah, it's been um, really difficult though. I mean, like for a while there, you guys were completely separated. I mean, you were here in Washington, 
your brother was in Illinois, and your rest of your family is in, in Texas. Yeah. And now grandma lives up in Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas. Alaska. Yeah. My family's in Arkansas. Your family's in Arkansas. Yeah, it's, it's weird, especially because the vast majority of us for my entire growing up through high school... 90% of the family lived here in the Pacific yeah, Northwest. Yeah, so they all lived here. And then when my great-grandparents both passed away, everybody just kind of scattered to the four corners of the earth. And now I'm the only one in my generation still... or the generation above me. I got to go up two generations to find somebody who still lives here. And that's because they've been here their whole lives and they're, you know, nearing the end of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm really it for the family as far as people who just couldn't go away. But I've always loved it here, and I always will. And no matter where I go, I always end up coming back. So I'm really glad that that Jacob, you know, feels similarly. He and I, that's one of the things we talked about in the drive, is that it really sucked not being here. And one of the things that he fought for was to get back up here after college. So um, so it was nice. Um, That was fun. Otherwise, I think about the only thing of any importance... That happened for me this week was, um, it is the middle of January, and we finally took all of the Christmas stuff down. Yeah, that was really sad. Uh, well, we got one string of lights in the living room above the mm-hmm. window, but I, I don't really count those as Christmas lights. When when we first moved in with your parents, <laughs> your mother had a string of Christmas... It might even be the same strand. It's not. Um, that one was tubed. Oh, okay. So it looked like a rainbow. So there was a string of Christmas lights mm-hmm. that wound over the windowsill um, out in the back of the living room. And it was basically a night light in the living room. Yeah, and it was there for years. And I loved it. And I was vocally upset when Mom finally decided to take it down. And so, uh, so that has thus far remained up on the wall and i'm not saying anything to mom so um but all the outside lights have been taken down the trees taken out and it's, it's always the time of the, like january where it's a little bit depressing because oh. all of the christmas trees are like in front of everyone's houses and like out in the gutters and yeah until the boy scouts come pick them up yeah um although i think we actually missed the pickup date for that i'm actually i'm gonna try and talk to some friends about picking it up because they have a fireplace uh and i know pinewood smells fantastic in a fire i will also also say you did a fantastic job with the lights this year. Normally, we're not one of those families that, like, puts up Christmas lights, even though we absolutely it love them. It bothers me. Yeah, I know it does. We I hate seeing our house being the only dark one on the block. Well, yeah, but for the longest time, it was just my family and I. Mm-hmm. And my parents are getting up there in age, and so we just didn't do it. We did it when I was really young. Yeah. But you did a fantastic job making 2020 feel a little bit brighter. And well, it really meant a lot for Mom. The, the reason it sucks taking it down is because, you know... You hear all those things, you know, you watch your Christmas movies, you hear your songs, and it's all like, you gotta keep the Christmas spirit alive all year. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. And then they're like, so now put away all the Christmas stuff. And I'm like, wait, you're giving me mixed messages, Holiday. I think they mean metaphorically. Yeah, I know, but it's so much easier when I have a visual. <laughs> do you want me to get you a mini Christmas tree you can just keep up, like, on the mantle? No, if we do that, I just, like, put one up on my desk. Oh, I can do that. And we'll just put up, like, one, one of those little, like, like two foot high... We'll decorate it every se- like season, depending on like the holidays coming up. Like we'll have like well, Valentine's ornaments. See, and, like, actually, St. Patrick's ornaments. All joking aside, I- I've talked to you about how I really want to get those programmable lights around the house that you can leave up all year and change the colors based on the season or a holiday. Because I think those would be really fun, and I think it brightens up the house, and I really like that. 
Um, they don't have to be Christmas lights, but I like having that extra bit of like cheeriness yeah. of just around the house. It's it's really cool when people come up. Um, it's inviting and it's fun. And those are things I want to be. So we're, we're the fun people. Though. Yeah, yeah. You're you're one of the fun people. You're like I want my house to be like cheery. Yeah, I want I'm people all to for come it. and have fun. I'm all for it. Speaking of of fun things, I mean, we still have lights um, in our room. Yes, we we do still have some lights in our room. And I like them a lot. I, I think it's a lot of fun, and I think we need to do more kinds of stuff like that. But then again, you and I are obsessed with lights. Anyway. <laughs> um, I say looking around and seeing all the lights. Yeah. Every time we go to, like, any hardware store or, like, Ikea or anything like that, we're always like, where's the light section? It's like, we don't really need any more. We're just looking. But hey. Where are the light fixtures? Let's go look. Look, this one has a cord. Mm-hmm. Oh, have any of those people have seen those things in Ikea? Oh, the they, ones that change shape when you pull on the little cords? Justin yes. loves those and could stand there for, like, an hour watching them change shape. They're like, it's like science fiction. It's so cool. kind of reminds me of a puppet. Yeah, if my lights were puppets. Oh, no. Which seems like a terrible idea. It does seem like a terrible idea. But they're great. They also kind of look like an exploding Death Star. Yes, which is also great. But we already covered Star Wars. Oh, well, we'll so come back a, to it is eventually. Is that not the topic for today, then? No, what is the topic for today, Mandy? The topic is one of my absolute favorite things, Justin. We're going to talk about modern children's television. Specifically, did we decide for like specifically the last 10 years? Uh, we're going to go from 2010 forward, so really, I guess, 11 years if you're counting, but it's January, so that doesn't mean much. I am thrilled to be invited on for this topic. Yeah, um, Jacob is not really big into cartoons, mm. But uh, you and I never really outgrew that, and I'm totally okay with that. I am more than okay with that. That is, when I deal with bad things at work, or when I'm just having a really, like, sad or hard day, I just come home, we make dinner, we just chill out, and we watch us some good cartoons. Did you watch a lot of cartoons growing up? No, I didn't. And I think that's one of the reasons that I've gotten into it as I've gotten older. Mm. My parents were a little more sheltered than your parents when it came to entertainment. And we could talk about that at some point, the stuff I grew up with. I mean, I did grow up with my fair share of PBS. Don't get me wrong. I got me some Arthur. I've got me some whatever else we watched on PBS. <laughs> Cyber Chase. I've, I've, I've got the one cartoon that matters. <laughs> I've got all the other ones. I was obsessed with Arthur. Uh. <laughs> I was obsessed. I, I Listen, the Arthur. internet is obsessed with Arthur. You're Arthur. in good company. My dad got me... For one Christmas. I was far too old for this, mind you. Far too old. He got me and my sister Melody. He got us matching dolls. He got us DW and Arthur dolls. And they came with watches and they told time. And they were, like, robotics. So they, like, moved and, like, talked. And I must have been, like, 12. Like, it wasn't cool hey, by that hey. point. But it was so cool. It was probably one of the coolest toys I ever got. Well, you know, every day when you're walking down the street, everybody that you meet has an original point of view. Cyber Chase. Did you ever watch Cyber Chase? I briefly, I watched a few episodes, mostly because like Christopher Lloyd was on it. I love Cyber Chase. Um, it, it was an alright show, but I was like way above yeah. the target demographic when it came on. There was also Fetch with Ruff Ruffman. Fetch which, is funny, which is but that's only half, half cartoon. cartoon. Yeah, it's well, it's more like a third cartoon because like live action, it's hosted by a cartoon. Yeah. 
So, but, I grew up with PBS. Once I got older, I got more into them. Like, I threw in some Cat Dog into there, and I threw in some Hey Arnold. You got, you got some of the latter end of the yeah, 90s Nickelodeon. Although, mind you, by the time I got into it, it was more or less reruns. Mm-hmm. But those were some good shows. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now, see, I, I have kind of the opposite in on this, whereas you really didn't have a lot of exposure to most of these cartoons, and you've sort of grown up with that that void. Yeah, I fall in love with them after I got I, uh, I grew up just completely saturated with cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was... I, I'm your prototypical 90s kid, so I was on the ground floor for most of the stuff that's considered, you know, top-tier nostalgia nowadays. And I watched all of it. You know, we had the full cable package, so I had Disney, I had Nickelodeon. Uh, when Cartoon Network first launched, I was there when it was still mostly Hanna-Barbera reruns while they were still working out their own programming block. I remember when Toonami started up and they were like, oh, hey, we're going to be edgy and play, like, Japanese cartoons. I, I've I've always been a fan. I never really grew yeah. up, so I never grew out of enjoying that stuff. So as an adult, I have both a love for those things and the ability to be critical about them and desire more from them. I totally get it. Like, for me, it was... I always tried to find those ones that my parents would approve of. So I'd be like, is this one cool? Even when they wouldn't approve of it, I'd still watch some of them behind their backs. But I'm an adult now, so what can they do? <laughs> um, I loved when Discovery Kids became a thing and they started doing shows. Like, the Time War Trio was really great. I read um, those books. Kenny the Shark was really great. Um, that was a really fun one. It's mm. about Shark. Yeah. Kenny. See, the, my Shark cartoon was, was Jabberjaw reruns on Boomerang. I, Slightly different. Yeah, I also <laughs> I also watched one called King Tut, which is really cool. I'm mm. probably butchering the name of it. Mind you, I haven't thought about that show forever. That was one of my favorite shows growing up. It's about a mummy that comes to life, and it's, it's King Tut's mummy. It's a little kid. It's a really cool show. PBS Discovery Kids. I'm sensing I'm sensing an educational bent to your programming. I was homeschooled. That's true. <laughs> Pretty much everything was an educational bent. Although bent. although to be fair, I wasn't actually like I was partially homeschooled for part of my growing up. Your I your school career is a your school career is a topic all unto itself. That is an episode we will have to cover I, at some point in the future. We'll just like Leave that hanging there. Yeah, because you, you've done everything and your uh, unique perspective on the schooling systems of yeah, this country. Schooling system is very interesting. Are, yeah, definitely worth having a conversation well, about. Well, I've definitely we, had some experiences. Yeah, yeah. We, we have strong opinions about schooling, so. Uh, but not today. So, to get the. Oh, but can I add one thing? To yeah, you totally can, can. Absolutely. Okay, Dragon Tales. I know we've already covered educational television. I know I said Arthur and, like, any of those others. Dragon Tales was a bomb show, and I grew up with that. That was, like, pure in the time, and I was, like, I was the right age for it at, like, the right time. Now, that was another one that I was way over the target demographic, but I could, I didn't watch it, but the bits that I caught from, like, my cousin Alan watching it or whatever, like, I could have... Alan and I are roughly around the same age, too. I could appreciate it for what it was, Mm -hmm. even though it wasn't my thing, because I could tell... In high school, that it was a it was a competently done children's show, and I like the fact that like they had two like Spanish kids, yeah. And so you know you got a lot of uh, th- that was back before the whole idea of multicultural children's television yeah. was really was one firmly of the, yeah. planted. I really I really liked that part of it. Yeah. So first question: What do you think is the most impactful cartoon show you've watched in the last like? 
10 years okay. of programming. That's really difficult because there's been some really good stuff out there. Right? Right. Now, now it, it, open-ended question. Impactful for you, impactful for the industry, impactful for fandoms. Like, so, it just However you want to take that question. If we want to go industry, okay. you can't go wrong with Gravity Falls. That one has fundamentally changed the game on what we consider children's cartoon television to be. It really changed the landscape. It wasn't the first cartoon to do what it did, but it was the first cartoon to do what it did as well as it did and become yeah. popular. I mean, but come on. The way it seamlessly blended reality and fantasy, like with the shows, like they had those pop-ups where like Bill. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Bill Cipher. Yeah, where Bill Cipher, they had a statue of him in the middle of a forest and they had people go and find him. They had hidden books. Everywhere for people to find in real life. I mean, heck, that show got deep. Not to mention the hidden messages within that show. Oh yeah, all the secrets from like the, the beginning, like the the reverse speech in the intros, and uh, all the hidden codes and things. Yeah, it was one of the first shows I saw for a long time that didn't see children as stupid and like genuinely wanted engagement between adults. In the like, in children's media, yeah, Alex. Like, it was definitely a show that parents could watch with their kids, or even like preteens, teens could watch, obviously, and really just get a kick out of. I, I agree. Alex Hirsch uh, really did something genius with Gravity Falls in that he almost created a show without a demographic. It's really just a story, and if you happen to be interested in the story. It's, it's not marketed towards any particular age group because there's things in there, like there's colorful characters and funny little sight gags that little kids would love. Mm-hmm. There's really deep, um, hard-hitting emotional moments and, and rather mature subjects that adults can understand and still process through. There's a lot of transitional um, moments uh, that the main characters experience because they're both on the coming of age they're on the cusp of of uh they're like just just getting into adolescence Mm -hmm. and so it's great for your preteens and your teenage crowd um there's there's stuff that speaks to pretty much everyone it's funny it's insightful it's engaging um there's a strong current of mystery and suspense running throughout the whole thing and it's well written from start to finish, and very, very little of the show is wasted. Um, even the things that seem to be light or fillery, or filler, like exactly, they, they turn out to something mean something from like season one or season two that you just think is a throwaway line. It's something just so innocuous, mm-hmm. and then it comes right back at the ends. Like they were so good at tying up all of those ends and making the things, like, even the smallest details, important. Mm-hmm. I love Gravity Falls for that. I will say. There's some... It, it is one of those that I can go back and watch repeatedly. It's awesome. Yeah. But very, there, very repeatable. There are some really good shows that have also just come out of the era of Gravity Falls. It really, by itself, was genre-changing. It kind of opened the gates yeah. um, for a lot of people to realize that they could use our modern animation landscape as a medium for telling more complex stories, for creating more complex characters... And that it was uh, a genre of, of entertainment, of television, that could be taken just as seriously as any live-action property. Because, I, like I joked about in the intro, a lot of people, for a very long time, saw cartoons as either a distraction or a chance to sell toys. And that was it. And so... It was babysitting. Yeah. And, and so, um, yeah. Or, or edutainment. Yeah. 
those were basically the three fields that it fell into. It was it was mind numbing, it was advertising, or it was edutainment. And really, in the last ten years or so, we've seen this pushback kind from a lot of creators. Yeah, who said like, no? We can tell more yeah. serious stories. We can dig deeper. We can do more. And we have a freedom you don't have in live action because, well, if it's a drawing, you can draw anything. So yeah. we can go as whacked out as we want to tell these complex stories. Well, and from Gravity Fall, you know, you get things like Amphibia, which is one of the newer shows that I'm starting to get into. You know, you've got, oh, what's that really great one? The Owl House. Oh, yeah, the Owl House. Yeah, that's... That's a lot of people are touting. I haven't actually gotten into it yet, um, but I a lot of people are touting that as kind of the the next X Gravity, Gravity Falls. Falls, exactly. And so you have a lot of these shows that are now coming forward that really ha- take inspiration from it. Like I would even say one of my absolute favorite shows recently, in recent history at least, mm-hmm. that has been really fundamental to me. Star versus the Forces of Evil has a lot to thank for Gravity Falls. It is an amazing show. I love the fact that it starts very much feeling like kind of a more traditional mm-hmm. cartoon. It, it looks like it's going to be a series of kind of one-offs, uh, very episodic, everything resets. Um, we just say, okay, for those who don't know, explain Starbird. Okay, so... Explain so, Star to the people that don't know what the show So is. Star versus the Forces of Evil is, it is the story of a young princess from another dimension who inherits the family magic wand and all the powers and responsibilities that come with it, and she is completely not up to the task of being responsible with it. And so in order to avoid getting in more trouble, uh, her parents send her to Earth, a relatively mundane and safe dimension, and she moves in... As a foreign exchange student. As a quote-unquote foreign exchange student uh, with a family... Uh, and and makes friends with the boy in that family, a boy named Marco, who is kind of the safe kid. Uh, and the two of them have adventures, uh, a lot of them revolving around the villain in her home dimension who really wants the magic wand. So and it starts out as a show that's basically... Your standard kids' yeah, fair. Yeah. But within the Fantastic first... gold princess who also is a badass mm-hmm. who... She, she, yeah, she basically it, it's uses very much a monster. She uses karate and 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 uh, fires rainbow narwhals and um, and doesn't understand what nachos are. It's great. Yeah. Um, and it's it's funny and it's cute. The animation style is really great. Uh, it's it's the right kind of um, simplistic. Mm-hmm. It's not overly simplified, but they don't bog your eyeballs down with too many details. The characters are very clean, uh, and the the movements are very uh, flashy and splashy and fun. Um, I will say, if you like fantasy of any kind, like if you like high fantasy of any kind inspiration like that, and you also like Gravity Falls, please give Star a watch. It's... The jokes are... It's... It, it kind of reminds me of, like, a children's version of, like, the Naked Gun series or something. It's one of those, like, if you didn't like that joke, wait 15 seconds, there Don't will be another, another one. one. Um, and I love that because it, it doesn't feel like it's forced. The humor's... It's never really forced. Um, even the deadpan stuff mm-hmm. that, like, you're supposed to groan at, like, feels organic. Um... But and there's some really good scripting, and the voice oh, yeah. acting's really great. What I love about it is that it starts off, and you think it's going to be light fare. And then, like, four episodes in or something like that. Um, 
pieces start to come into place and you start to realize that, oh, these aren't one-offs. There is a like a storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, and then very soon after that, the story just kind of out of nowhere takes its first like dark turn yeah. and it just, it totally blows you away because up until this point, you thought it was just this goofy, silly thing and it gets really, really serious. serious. But um, you never lose we have had that moments, brightness. We have had moments watching that show together where we've actually had to pause it and process it. Because there's some deep, deep yeah. stuff that happens. I have had nightmares from that show. I'm willing to admit it. Like, it's a good show. It's not, it's not gore-fest, obviously. Yeah. It's made for children. Yeah. Quote-unquote children. But it is a good show. There was a moment that I'm thinking of where you think one of the bad guys that pops up is dead, is finally deceased after being dealt with, just to realize that everything is about to completely fall apart. And it is a cliffhanger of all cliffhangers. And Justin and I actually gasped so audibly that our dog wouldn't stop barking for like three minutes. Yeah, it was actually, it was a big deal. Um, so it's a really good show. Highly recommend. Um, do you think Gravity Falls really was probably the most impactful? I think it's one of the most impactful. All right. I think you can make an argument for a few of these, but I really yeah. think that Gravity Falls... No, that's a, like, that's a it really... Has, it has really changed the game, like I've said. And I keep repeating myself, but it's it's worth repeating. Like, and the shows that we are seeing nowadays that are taking a much more serious approach to children's television. Treating them fairly yeah. against other entertainment. I mean, we're seeing things like gender equality being tackled. We're seeing things like relationships, healthy relationship dynamics and what that actually looks like. What friendship truly is. Not just, like, in the way that they've always sugarcoated it, but, like... I mean, there's like real complex, tough, complicated, convoluted interpersonal that relationships. Actively, actively mm-hmm. working on any shows, and we'll touch on some of those in a minute. Um, I have, I, I have, I, I'm, I'm glad you. I got to field you the question because I, I needed to I would to like to ask it. you the same question. Um, what do you think has been the most impactful to you? And it doesn't have to necessarily be to you. There's a I think genre, like you said. I think one of the most impactful things, both to me personally and to the industry as a whole. Um, is one that I'm very glad you're here for today because Jacob would never let me even go on about this show. He would rag me endlessly and probably will after he hears this podcast anyway. That's fine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stake my, my claim here and I'm gonna plant my flag in My Little Pony Friendship is Magic is probably the most impactful show of the last 10 years. Uh, and I will say that because it proved several things. Firstly, My Little Pony has been one of those shows that was legitimately created to sell toys. That's why it existed. It had three generations and a handful of movies. I never watched a single one of them. They were all terrible. They were made to sell multicolored candy horses to small children. Um, and it was very much a girls' show. And, I mean, like, boys would, like, Bleh! just thinking about it. It was awful. That was a great sound effect, by the way. Thank you. Uh, now, I, I will I will go on record as saying that Dustin's argument in Season 3 of Stranger Things for the validity of My Little Pony is actually pretty decent uh, and, and makes me kind of view the original a little differently. Um, it was still bad. That being said, Lauren Faust, who, by the way, look up her record. She's worked on all kinds of stuff, and it's really, really good stuff. She was part of the ground floor of Cartoon Network. Yeah, we have heard a thank you um, entirely. Yeah, um, so she birthed she, this thing. She has done so whole cloth. many things. I mean, she's created full childhoods. Yeah, so the show, firstly, 
Uh, anyone who has ever heard the word brony, whether you like the thought or it fills you with dread, uh, you know that My Little Pony is no longer a show for little girls. Uh, if anything, Hasbro needs to get on board with that and realize they have a larger target demographic. Um, they're the, still dragging their feet about it. But Friendship is Magic wrote strong stories. It created very strong characters, again, with complex interpersonal relationships. It was a show that was not afraid to say that it is what it is, but that doesn't make it dumb or shallow. Would you say it's more impactful because of the community that it created? I would say that the community that it created is a big part of the impact because it was one of those. It okay, you know what? Day. You know what? It let was, me let me give was... let me give a little background on why I know anything about this show. So my uh, I had a buddy. Uh, his name's Andrew, and he was in the military at the time. He'd just come home on leave uh, from the army, and I had been driving around with him, and we were chatting. And he asked me what I thought about Friendship is Magic. And I was like, what is that? He's like, you know, My Little Pony. And I'm like, that's a show for girls, bro. And he's like, okay, we're going to my house right now. And we drove over to his house. I was with you guys. And we watched. Did you watch it with us? I did. I don't remember you being there. Wow. That's because I really didn't want to watch it. Oh, okay. But I watched it. So we came in, and for anyone who is familiar with the show, we watched the third episode of season two. The first two episodes are a two-parter. Um, and it's called Lesson Zero. This was my introduction to the show. Um, I'd never seen any of these characters before. I had no idea what was going on. But my army buddy was like, you're going to watch this. And, and I'm like, okay, him fine. And his, all his army buddies Yeah, all his army it. buddies watch it. And I was like, yeah, sure, okay, whatever. So Lesson Zero, the plot of this is... The main character, Twilight Sparkle, writes these reports to the head princess up at the, like, capital city. And apparently this is a common occurrence. She's freaking out because she's a bookworm nerd, like, perfectionist. And she realizes she has nothing to write a report about. And she's worried she's going to get in trouble for it. And so she tries to... There, She has to write reports about friendship lessons that she learns. So in order to ensure she has something she can write about before her, like, weekly report is due, she creates a problem that they that she can then, like, fake solve, and it gets entirely out of hand, and shenanigans ensue. Oh, it, it completely devolves. 22 minutes and a commercial break later, um, I was hooked. The writing was absolutely, it was tight, it was fantastically done, the, the script was just, it was beautiful. The characters were portrayed just with, with hilarious amounts of depth, uh, and there seemed to be a lot of continuity for things I didn't know yet. Um, I felt engrossed and engaged immediately. Uh, the the jokes landed, bad. the world was deep, and and it was just overall, it was just a high quality of production. And I was very impressed. Um, and I went, told him after we watched it, I was like, okay, I get it. I'm going to go watch some more of it. He's like, yeah, you are. And I was hooked. Yeah, no, exactly. And you came home from that. Well, we both came home from that. And you were like, I need to watch this. And you watched it for like a long time. I'll say it took me a little bit longer to get on that bandwagon. At that point, I wasn't watching as much cartoons. I was starting to explore the world of like media and information because I hadn't had as much exposure to it. Not just because of my parents, but just because of the the life I was living at the time. Yeah. I had just finished reading Harry Potter for the first time. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that says something. 
the whole series. Absolutely amazing, by the way, but that's another podcast in and of itself, especially when it comes to the creator. We're not going to go into that. Mm. And it took me a little while to get into it, but once I got into it, I was hooked. I will say one of my favorite things about the show is the characters, and not just in the way that the characters are funny or silly or, you know, whatever, but they're super engaging. And it's because of the way that they're written. Things that would be like their foils or their antithesis actually just give them more depth. And a lot of the time for shows like this, when they have like the shy one or the pretty girl or the sporty one, like that's all they are. But as the show continues, they have so much depth. Right? Like, I mean, my favorite character, my favorite character, hands down that whole entire show is Rarity. Rarity, for all intents and purposes, she's the girl who likes fashion. She likes design. She likes being fancy and being on top of everything. Like, that's just her personality. But she is also a businesswoman. She holds down her own. And she is also the most compassionate and charitable one out of the whole group. Whereas... If, if you look at, like, on paper, if you look at their primary traits... She would be any, the mean girl. In any other show, she'd be an antagonist. She would be the mean girl. And she's written not only as not the mean girl, but but almost in a complete 180, she is the most generous out of everyone and in the main cast. I love that because for the longest time, like, the, the girls and the women that I saw on television who fit that archetype, that would be them. They would be the mean girls. But seeing somebody who had those interests, it made me really excited. And I wish they would have more representation of that when I was younger. Because I had friends who hid that they liked girly things because they wanted to be one of the boys and they didn't want to be seen as prissy or mean. And that was one of the other things that I think is really important. Um, A, the show proved the validity of a concept beyond just selling merchandise. Um, But B, I think even more important, the show has a level of representation that really hadn't been seen before. These characters, as you said, they were all treated seriously. They're all really deep characters. And as the show goes on, you see them grow and evolve. Um, you have Rainbow Dash, who's the, she's the sporty one. And at first, she absolutely... That's ha- all. Yeah, that was all she was at the beginning. And she hated reading. Right, her and by the end of reading, it... She was a complete egghead. Yeah, by the end of it, by the end of it, she's the book nerd of the group. Yeah, to um, the point where she's actually, they showed that it wasn't just a thing that she read, it was important that she read. Because a few times in that show, her reading, her knowledge on a certain book series saved the day. Well, and and even better, it didn't affect, like, it didn't diminish any of her other traits. traits like, she didn't no. become a different person. She grew as a person. You know, it, there are a lot of those kinds of things in the show. And they, they really do stick hard and fast to the mantra in the title, uh, the idea that, like, friendship is magic. Like, yeah. that, the, that, that treating someone as, as not against you simply because they're different. Yeah. Treating someone as a friend, um, showing kindness, showing um, interest, being a, a good person to someone else can change things. And I love it because the whole group of all of the main ones, we've got... The main know, six? Yeah. We've got Pinkie Pie, we've got Applejack, we've got Rarity, we've got Rainbow Dash, we've got Fluttershy, and we've got Twilight Sparkle. Mm-hmm. And all of them, what I loved watching as the show grew was watching their relationships develop interdependently. Right. They were all friends, 
but their relationships within each other was strong. And let's add Spike on there for, like, good measure. Mm-hmm. He was a fantastic character. You know, that's another thing is, is and this is, I will, I will forever tell people, you don't have to like the show. I'm going to go out and say that right now. You don't have to like the show. Yeah. I will never tell someone they have to like a show. But I would highly recommend even the most staunch uh, opponent of this idea. Give it a few episodes. I think... I think it's like episode four that the show really roots down, finds its feet, and it just goes from there. Yeah, like I wouldn't have started us with the episode the, that the, we started with. I, I think it was a good episode I think to start so too, on. But I don't. I personally it took me a little longer to get into this. Yeah, show, no, and I get that. It's a good show. The the but, intro two part is good. The mm-hmm. third episode's kind of weak, but it's not terrible. And then about the fourth episode in is where you really get to see the show start to figure out who it what is. What do you think about the the turn it took in the later seasons? Um, I actually, I think that it, it, as far as like ideas, it's a bit of a mixed bag, but I think the execution was done pretty well. I don't necessarily agree with every direction that they took, but they treated it seriously no matter what they were doing. And you could tell that they cared about the property. And that's really one of the, um, I think that's the final reason I really appreciate the show is because you can tell this show, it started in 20, 2010, 2011. Like, real early in this timeline, right about this time all this stuff is changing. And it it's a really good example of a show that, from the beginning, was treated seriously as a show, as an entertainment property, mm-hmm. and not just, like, you know, put out for kids. Um, some, like, we'll just churn out an episode a week, you know, 52 of these a year, whatever, we're just going to sell toys. It was treated with the same level of respect and courtesy from the staff, the writing team, the production value. Oh, um, completely. As any adult property would be. Yeah, totally. And you can see that, because as the show evolves, when they first started, it was done in, I think, Flash. Uh Uh-huh. And as the show evolves, they learn to do more things, and they incorporate more things into the visuals and the audio of the show, and it continues to grow and evolve. They didn't stick to what they had and just keep trying out the same stuff. That was one of my absolute favorite things about the show, I remember the way that it evolves. That's why I love watching the character development. I mean, It happens at the same time. Yeah. The characters grow as the show, show grows, does. And it really feels like... It starts as this really close-knit, small thing, mm-hmm. and it kind of just, as the show grows, like you said, the characters evolve, the world evolves. Yeah. Like, it just gets deeper. Also... To the point where, like, the next, the last couple of seasons involve one of my favorite characters of all time. I love Starlight. Yeah. A, yeah, a later edition of the show. And I won't spoil anything about her. But there's also... It, it got it got a spin-off. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, it's got two spin-offs now. Uh, Equestria Girls and the little Pony Life shorts that they do. Um, which I'm not super big on, but they're, I, I get what they're for, and, yeah. and for the audience, those were made for, they're cool. Equestria Girls it, is okay, too. Equestria Girls is fun, I like it. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's the same kind of thing, like, lots of production it's to sell value. toys. Yeah, it, it was definitely made to sell toys, but they didn't treat it as something that was made to sell toys. Which I and really appreciated, important. because they could have definitely, it was supposed to be My Little Pony for, like, a little bit of an older crowd, and... Well, it was supposed to be for the kids who'd started out watching the yeah. show and were getting older. Exactly. And, you know, Hasbro Hasbro knows that this is a toy. Mm-hmm. And so when they greenlight these things, they're like, okay, we want to make sure we can sell the toy. Yeah. But they gave the creative teams enough independence from that requirement that they could actually make something of quality. And the quality of the production would speak more My... than just 
than just I pumping out a new character to put on Hasbro screen every 22 that. minutes. Because they have done some really cool shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, one of my other favorite shows was made to build it. And I was going to say, and that's a really good segue into another show, which um, I, I don't think is nearly as impactful. I was going to say, I don't think it's nearly as impactful. But pound for pound, I think it would edge out Friendship is Magic as actually being a better show. This show is near and dear to my heart. It is one of those shows that I don't feel actually got its due. It is a very good show. And this show is The Littlest Pet Shop. Not, for the record, not the, the one that's currently on Netflix. Not the new one with the, the I don't know what it, I, I haven't even watched it. I tried. And it's just weird. Um, but I think it debuted in like 2012, 2013. Actually, let me, let me look that up real quick. Da, 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 da. TV show. Yeah, 2000, yeah, 2012. It was a 2012 series. Uh, and that's the one that we're talking about. Um, so we're going to be talking about that show specifically. Yeah. And that one has a lot of bleed over with My Little Pony. It's one a of the... A lot of the voice actors. Exactly. A lot of the writing staff. It's a very good show. Do you want to talk about it before I start gushing? So, um, okay. So one of the things that both shows, Friendship is Magic and Little's Pet Shop, have in common uh, is snappy dialogue, uh, internal consistency, mm-hmm. and great music, uh, good comedy and characters that grow and evolve. What I think the difference here is is that I honestly think between the two, LPS does almost all of those things slightly better. It took what NLP did and really like I think upset. I think overall, Friendship is Magic probably has better musical numbers. Oh, I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. And I think I think uh some of the com- uh, some of the zingers could be argued as to which one is better with the comedy yeah. deliveries. Some of some of the stuff in LPS can feel a little ham-fisted sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like they're like they're pushing for a joke. Um but the the characters are very well written. Do you want to um, give a brief synopsis about what LPS is? Yeah, okay, so so the this show, so it's about this girl named Blythe, her and her dad, who's a pilot, they move to the big city from, like, the suburbs, and they end up moving into a, an apartment that's a couple of floors above uh, the littlest pet shop. Um, through an accident, um, she ends up falling into the pet store, um, bonks her head, and when she comes to, she can understand the pets. She's the only person who can hear them. She And it's not just the ones in the store. She can hear yeah. animals. animals. She can hear pets. That's her thing. She can now listen. She, she's like Dr. Doolittle. She can hear all the animals. She also has a keen interest in fashion. Yes. And that comes into play when she ends up saving the pet store from closing by turning her burgeoning desire to create a fashion line uh, and combining that with her newfound friends in the pets. And she creates a pet fashion line which blows up almost immediately because there's no market for this. She has the corner on it and it, it everybody's like, oh yeah, cute outfits for my pets that are actually not like some cheap thing you buy yeah, in the back rack because at Target. the pets have a lot to say in it, they actually are like, they work with the pets. They, the yeah, world. and so they end up being really great designs. I will take say, off. I love her ingenuity and I also love her spirit of like creativeness. Like she mm-hmm. is... She is one of those girls that, like, I would love if we ever had a daughter to be able to watch this show. Because to see her go, you know what? I see this problem. I'm going to start my own business. Oh, and yeah, and her, she's in high school. know-how. And just she's like a, and, what is she, like a freshman, a sophomore in yeah, high school? And it, and it continues from there to the point where she actively grows her line. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, by the end of the show, like, she's an internationally known 
like pet fashion designer. And while there are who's in who is interning under somebody else, yes, and it, and it shows it actually shows a progression that feels. Even though it feels a little odd in some ways, it it's, does feel it a jumps little, a little because it's cartoony. It does feel a little more realistic. But yeah, you never, you never really. There's never a moment where, within the internal consistent logic of the show, you go, "That's not right." There's never a yeah. moment like that because within the rules the show sets up in its early episodes, everything does make yeah. sense. Um, the uh, the 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 characters all have, and again, they start with like very basic traits and. I would say there's maybe not quite as much growth as My Little Pony. As uh, yeah, yeah, as as, as Friendship is Magic does because or some of the other the, shows. That the we've point mentioned. of the show is a little different, but there is a lot of internal consistency within the show itself. The the way in which they call back previous episodes and things that happen to characters is some of the oh, best. Oh, it is cohesive. The, the 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 internal cohesion of the show is some of the best I've seen in. Television. I agree. Not just in children's television, but in television. You will the way... see a character once, and then they will pop up seasons later. And it doesn't feel weird. weird. No. Um, because they have an explanation, explanation that fits perfectly within what's going on. I completely agree. Um, and, and the way in which they're able to make callbacks that feel deserved and appreciated with consistency. They're not occasional. They're constant. Mm-hmm. Um, and they never get tired. And it never feels like they're just doing this because they don't have ideas. In fact, it's the ideas that generate those callbacks. They're, they're a natural progression of what's going on. And so that... that there is internal... a genuine story. And the story does follow yeah, along itself. Yeah. And it, it's from start to finish. Yeah. It's enjoyable. And it's fun. Um, it is... Also, both of these shows have theme songs that will get stuck in your yeah. head. Yeah. Oh, Definitely. I will also say, um, if you've got any, like, little cousins or little siblings running around the place, um, it's Little a great show to watch off with them. is a great show to watch with them. Yeah. I would say My Little Pony, depending on the age, they might not necessarily get into it as quickly, mm-hmm. but if you've got little ones running around the place at all, throw this on, because yeah. they will be absorbed, and they will fall in love at least with at least one of the characters. Yeah. And I think, um, I think there's something that both these shows have in common. Um, I think that's something we can we can move on from is that uh, both of these shows are shows that I would not have watched as a young boy because they look like they're marketed to girls. But as an older person, I watch these shows, and despite the fact that the protagonists are all or at least mostly female, depending on the show, um, the messages really don't care about gender. The yeah. message applies no matter which side of the aisle you're talking about. And so I I can still find a lot of things of value to Commonality. me. It yeah, really, yeah. Really it, it breaks down a lot of, ba- of barriers. Um, and again, that shows a shift in the market because before, if it was a show for girls, it was a show for girls. If it was a show for boys, it was a show, a show for, for boys. boys. Yeah. And, and that was really... There wasn't a lot of bleed over there. Like, if, if a girl liked boys' shows, it was because she had, like, six brothers. Mm-hmm. And if a boy liked girls' shows... He probably got beat up for it. Yeah, um, I was going to say there's a little bit more of a problem And, with and that. both of these were good properties that showed a change. Another one that I would put in the exact same category of shows you'd think are marketed for girls, but I absolutely love, um, is one that we stumbled into almost on accident because you got sick one day. I say, are we going to talk about this one now? Yes. Or do you want to jump into one about a boy's show? 
Well, I think we can. I think we can finish with this one and then jump to the boys' show. Okay. Stuff. So I was just talking about how much I love Littlest Pet Shop, but there is one show, one show that, as an adult, a lot of people probably have never watched, especially if they don't have young children around them. And I think that that's kind of a bummer, especially if you grew up in the age of Disney that we did in the '90s and early 2000s. Man, you know what? Disney has had so many ups and downs. Yeah. Like, they've had, like, there's a handful of years where I'm just, like, everything they put out during this period, I watched. And then there'll be a few years where I'm like, I didn't catch any of that. But if you grew up with any of the princesses of that era, any of the... Uh, Their movies. Any of the movies. Yeah. May I recommend to you, Sophia the First. Now, this is a show I found one day when I was very, very sick a few years ago and had a fever... Of 102. I was miserable. And I was just looking for a show that would basically just be brain dead fodder so I could just lie there and listen to something. And she had Netflix. And so I watched Sophia the First. And I was hooked. The writing is funny. The character development is great. She is a princess. Yeah, you want to talk about character just, development. Who's not just a princess, but she's like, I will show you what a true princess is. She comes in to the title of princess when Sophia's mom marries King Roland, and it becomes a blended family. Her and her two. Which is a huge deal. It is fantastic. Like, in the animation industry, in, in children's television, like, that was a that was a much bigger thing when it happened. Yeah, it was fantastic. We hadn't really, that, we, that's not something you see a lot And it's not just of. that, it's a blended family in Disney that isn't terrible. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's evil in this family. Everyone. There's no have, wicked there's stepmother. There's no wicked stepmother. There's no, you know, they might have some issues where Sophia is trying to figure out where she fits in the family dynamic or, you know, my mom and dad or, you know, your dad versus my mom. And, like, they have a few episodes like that. But on the whole, on the whole, they are just a family. You know what's funny? You know what I just realized? Hmm. We just talked about LPS. And now we're talking about another show where a young girl solves problems with her creative ingenuity and her ability to talk to animals. <laughs> I will say, one of Sophia's, um, one of her abilities is that she's given, or like one of the things that pushes the story along, is that Sophia, on the day that she becomes a princess, when her you know mother gets married and becomes the queen and all this stuff, she gets a amulet, which is a family heirloom that she actually picks out. The amulet of Avalor. The amulet of Avalor. And from this amulet, when you do good deeds, you get special abilities. She basically gets, like, she basically gets, like, magic powers based on the really, really good things she does. And episode one, she gets the ability... To talk to animals. To talk to animals. Yeah. She also gets the ability later on in the seasons to shrink or to grow to certain heights. Turn into a mermaid. She can turn into a mermaid. There's Uh, lots of things. It's pretty much endless, the possibilities here. Yeah, and when she does bad things, the amulet punishes her. It does. <laughs> Which gets, it gets there pretty some, spoopy sometimes. Y- you get a blessing or curse, mm-hmm. as the poem that goes with it says. It's a fantastic show. Yeah, no, you hooked me into it. I was like, all right, I'll watch this with you because it's something that looked, it looked easy and, you know, she was laughing and smiling and I was like, all right, obviously this is worth watching, I guess. Mind you, like I said, I, I had a really, I had a, I was pretty sick and I had a high fever. So it was like, I'm impressed you stayed next to me long enough to watch it. But once you get into the show, like, even after that, it's such a good show. Look, I'm just, hot take, Bailiwick needs his own spinoff. Bailiwick does need his own spinoff. And Bailiwick is there. No, check it out. All right. Bailiwick is their wonderful baller who basically, without them, the kingdom would fall apart. 
for anybody listening from Disney. A free prompt here, all right? Here's what you need. I love this show. You need a spinoff where Bailiwick and Cedric go on a road trip. So who is Cedric? We were just talking about Cedric the amulet. Do you want to talk about character growth? Cedric starts as the court wizard who is desperately trying to get his hands on this amulet. He is the primary antagonist at the beginning the of the show. Guy. He's the secret bad the guy. Bad guy. Yeah. Quotations. Yeah. Who we all know is the bad guy, but he's no also, one else in the castle knows. He's also a bit bumbling. Yeah, he's a bad magician. It's not really his fault though. There's, there's a lot of, I mean, you could you could argue that there's case. There's family but, dynamics there. There's yeah, lots of things. It, that, that dude's had some stuff. But by the end of the show, not only is he one of the, like, central protagonist characters, he's actually pivotal in, like, saving the kingdom. Let's not just talk about that. Let's talk about that it starts as a show as a girl with a magical amulet and ends with her literally saving the world. Like, like not just her world, but, like... like like, the, the whole world of magic. We'll also say, I mentioned Disney princesses at the beginning of this. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, that's every, another thing the amulet does. Every, almost every episode. I'm not sure if it's every episode. I've seen a few where they don't do it. Mm. Um, when Sophia encounters a problem, when there is a challenge that she feels like she cannot overcome, when she is afraid to face it, a princess will appear. Yeah, a Disney princess. A known Disney princess. So you get some Belle. You get some Mulan. And the great Give thing... some Ariel. The great thing is all of the, like, living voice actresses for these princesses return to do the voice work. Oh, so, yeah. like, when, when you know, she's doing her mermaid thing and she's freaking out and Ariel shows up. Like, it's legit Ariel. Like, uh, although it's my favorite... real good. Uh, Mulan shows up at one point. Mulan um, great. And, uh, but I think my favorite one is still, um, the, the time the amulet goofs up and, uh, summons Olaf instead. Oh, that's a great that's, one, too. That's hilarious. But um, the show gets kind of deep in its lore. The oh, lore of It builds this, and builds and builds. The lore of this country. You might have now heard of a show called Elena of Avalor. Which is a spinoff. That is a spinoff. Although I would say it's more of a prequel. No. No, no. The takes show place, takes place afterwards. Takes place after. Yeah, the story behind it, all of the plot elements take place well before. Yes. But the, the, the show itself is a sequel. It's a spinoff. So it is. Sophia the first starts off very simple as a girl who's like, I will, I will make my own way. Trying to figure out who she is, who she is, and what she is as a princess, and what being a princess means to her. And and normally it means being adventurous, being kind, being brave. You know all that good stuff you want kids to learn. It's really great. Yeah, something you could like force down their throats with edutainment, but they do it more subtly. And also like the characters, like it's also one of the shows that I could definitely see. Maybe not at first a, a kid like a boy trying to watch but once the show takes off i mean james man boom goes the cannon prince james yeah he's great they get some great lines um i think one of the things that impresses me the most about that show um it's definitely a show that after a while i think boys could definitely get into yeah no there's some stuff in there for the boys there's Definitely. definitely stuff in there for the boys but i think one of the things that impresses me the most about that show is every single episode has a musical number yeah and they don't suck. No. Even the mediocre ones are listenable. You can get through yeah. them just fine. And some of them are legitimately really, really good. good. They feel that like that gap when Disney doesn't release a new movie for a while. Like yeah. they go on there and just watch some Sophia and Yeah. Just, like, and it's 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 a high quality show. And again, it's marketed towards a little bit of a younger audience, but there's enough there that you know, if you've got young kids or siblings, um, or you're just a kid at heart like me, 
it, there's more than enough to keep you occupied is, during the runtime. It is good, and it, it'll it'll take you. There are and, a few and moments. And the places that it'll <clears throat> take you over time, like mm-hmm. when she meets her Aunt Tilly. You see that after, I think. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's a second or third, third season. season. And then it continues on from there, and you find out, I'll just hint at this now, the mystery of the library. Yeah. Like, there's Which so... Which is like the fourth or fifth, fifth season. season. And the Guardians. I mean, there is so much in this show. It is a fantastic show and i'm so glad that i started watching it yeah because we never would have have. um but it is a good show and i definitely recommend it especially if you're into disney at all oh yeah the show so yeah also the secondary characters you've got clover you know with bailiwick you know cedric um the the rest yeah the rest of the family um um her mom and dad her sister amber and then she goes to a school for princesses. It's a whole thing. Um, well, it's, it's for royalty. There are princes Roy- there, too. I'm sorry. You're right. Like I said, there's stuff for boys in the show. It is. It is awesome. There is enough lore here that I, after after we finished watching the show, I decided that I need to go back through it again. Because I am going to be wholesale ripping ideas out of this show. I am currently building a Dungeons and Dragons homebrew campaign setting based on this show because there is so much there and it is so well written that you can actually create something it for is it. It's so good. It's it's really just a good show. It's a good show. It, it's a show for younger kids, but that doesn't make it a bad, bad show, show and it doesn't make it boring. And I really appreciate that because there are some television shows out there for children that are just not good. And that's one of the reasons why I'm glad we're talking about this last decade because there's been a real push away from those shows. For as many shows still continue the old way of doing things, there are some knockout hits that have stepped away and gone, no, we can do better. Kids don't have to be talked down to. Okay, so Sophia's marketed for something a little younger. Do you want to go for something a little older? Yes. um, I think probably... I would like to talk about something that I just sort of fell into. Something I found on Netflix, oh gosh, probably two, three seasons in, that I hadn't heard much about. Growing up, there was a period in my life where I was the only kid who knew what Voltron was. I went through a two-year period in high school thinking I had invented the show because literally no one understood what I was talking about. Uh, And it wasn't until senior year when one of my other friends quoted the show that I realized... I had not made this all up in my head. I was not nuts. I was so glad when I found you that Voltron shirt, a secondhand story. Right? I think I still have it lying no, around here there's somewhere. There's no Voltron merch anywhere. At least there well, wasn't for yeah, a there really wasn't. long time. So I found, I wasn't sick, but in a very similar venue, I was looking for something that I could just put on as brain, you know, distraction. Uh, I found Voltron Legendary Defender on Netflix. And while I won't say that it had the most well-done end, I will say that it, it took something that was originally just, you know, a, a dubbed, you know, anime uh, that we threw over here in the 80s, which was weird and kind of low budget and, you know, it's kind of a cult thing. Um, it took the, and it really elevated it. It brought it up to a level that I had not seen in you know reboots before. You know, and it's another one of those shows. See, a lot of the shows we're talking about today have a very similar like theme that you can kind of trace. Uh, the characters are incredibly well written. The dialogue is snappy. Um, the interpersonal relationships. Uh, are really well done. Uh, the, it doesn't really have any musical numbers. Uh, maybe one or two. 
So I, I guess they lose points there. It takes the original lore of the old show and elevates it just by a huge margin into something that's really impressive. The way that the heroes come into possession of the lions, um, the stakes in this whole you know galactic struggle, the way that it all plays out is... It's, it's done with a level of seriousness that we just didn't have back in the day. It's done with, with a level of thoughtfulness that they just didn't bother with back then. And it, it shows from, like, moment one. I really think it's, unfortunately, it's one of those shows that due to studio interference, the last couple of seasons suffer. It's one of those shows that I really want to start watching, but I haven't had a chance to watch yet. Yeah, um, I mean, because I, I actually, I, I caught up before they'd finished. So, like, the last two seasons... The ones where everything kind of went a little bit off. I caught when they came out. Still absolutely worth watching. But I think mostly it's worth watching for the character dynamics. um, For the story. And for the gorgeous visuals. I mean, as an animation, it's just... I think the best way to describe Voltron Legendary Defender is to paraphrase the creators of the show. This is the show we remember watching as kids not the show we actually watched as kids. And for anybody who's ever had those nostalgia glasses ripped off your face when you've gone back and watched an old cartoon, you know what I'm talking about. Exactly, I totally understand. You remember watching something, and you remember how cool Cool it was, was. and how amazing the characters were, and how um, epic the stories were. And then you go back and you watch it, and you're like, wow, this is actually kind of lame. (laughs) Huh. Gee, I guess... um, I guess when I was five, I didn't catch that. Legendary we're, Defender. We're forgiving when we're, when we're yeah. When, when you're when you're younger, your standards are, are simpler. Uh, I won't say that they're lower, but they are definitely simpler. Yeah. And I, I think uh, Legendary Defender nails something, and that is, um, it's those things that we love that we remember through the lens of nostalgia. They took all of those things, like what do you remember about Voltron, and they distilled that down and went, okay, let's make that show, and they did. And even though they didn't quite stick the landing at the very end, I won't say it's bad. I will say that it wasn't what I wanted the series to end on. Totally. But I'm not I'm not angry about it. I'm not bitter or upset. I'd still go back and watch it again. Yeah. Start no, to finish. I, I absolutely still would. Just, it didn't uh, end as and, and I still cleanly as you would have wished. Yeah, I think there were a couple of decisions that were made. Beautiful um, show didn't stick the landing. Yeah, I well, get it. And, and they actually admitted this in interviews later. There were a couple of decisions that were made that were out of their hands because the studio wanted to make sure that they did certain things that they weren't planning on doing, and so they had to kind of force Those some certain some, exactly, yeah, and it, it threw off some place. stuff. And you can you can tell you can see it if you're paying attention, but I don't think that makes it a bad show. Uh, I think that just makes it one of those shows where you can see how much more it could have achieved. But overall, uh, absolutely worth watching. Would definitely recommend. And not just a show for little boys. Uh, You know, unlike the old 80s cartoon, first off, uh, the female characters are incredibly cool. In fact, uh, one of the one of the things that uh, I feel is safe uh, to throw out spoilers for anybody who doesn't want to know about main character uh, early season plot developments. Cover your ears. The main character of Pidge, who uh, most of these characters are actually just ripped from the old show. Yeah. Just, it's it's a reboot, so uh, they've revamped him. Pidge turns out to be a girl, but you don't know that for the first like four episodes. There's hints about it, 
but they don't openly state it for the first handful of episodes. That's cool. And it is really cool because it's not a big deal. Yeah, I remember when you told me that. Yeah, it's not a huge plot point, but it's a good character point. One of the characters, about halfway through the series, turns out to be gay, but it doesn't matter at all to the plot of the show. It only matters because, you know, it matters as much as being straight matters. Like, they treat it like, well, it's you know... It's just a part of the world that they're They're in. a person, yeah. And and they reference it. It comes up, but... It doesn't feel like a token. It no, feels it's like not something they throw at genuine. you. In fact, it's done almost in passing because it's not a focus point yeah. of the episode in which it's revealed. It's not them coming out. It's just a, it's just a thing. Exactly, because there's no need for it. Yeah. Uh, and I really appreciate the, the complexity that they add there or it's because just fact. Yeah. it shows... Uh, it shows a world very much like our own. Yeah, it's diverse. Um, yeah, and and they treat these things with a level of respect. They don't. That's really cool. I yeah. really appreciate something. I really appreciate something that can really respect all sides of things. I really like that. Right. Like regardless of how you necessarily feel about a topic, the fact that we live in a world where these things are common everyday occurrences, especially and... for like children, where like who knows about their parents, who knows about like their siblings or like the rest of their yeah. family and being able to see those representations on television that don't necessarily deep, like, that don't make it feel like a big deal, but also don't make it feel like demonized. Like that happens a lot too. Where the ability to up, normalize yeah, something allows you to process it. It does. And I really, I love that because somebody who is in that umbrella, mm-hmm. it's really nice to be able to have representation that is just so fluid that is just so uh, just a part of the thing yeah 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 normalizing it but also like giving it the respect and the 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 gravity it deserves yeah and so i think it uh voltron really did a lot wow that's weird another hasbro show hasbro's on it man they 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 put out some good material this decade um but it, it did a good job of proving the validity of taking one of those old shows and making it into something that feels totally new, but also totally nostalgic. Uh, and that's tough. I think, however, there's one show that's done that infinitely better, and I would love to have done an entire episode just on this show. And that is the 2017 reboot of DuckTales. It is brilliant. It is brilliant. It is perfect. We are getting into this nostalgia portion of our episode. This is what you guys have been listening for. I'm sorry it took us so long. Don't apologize. <laughs> it is a fantastic show. And I will say, I did not grow up the, with the original DuckTales. So I come into this show in a completely different place than you and your brother. We had Jacob watch the first couple of episodes. We had yes, I, I, I had him watch the first episode. Yeah. And uh, and he admitted that he would have to go back and watch the rest of it because it was actually pretty good. It's really good. Which, you know, it's not every day that the very first episode of a brand new show really nails home what they're trying to do but with the show. But they were so solid from the word go. I mean, look at that cast that they got mm-hmm. to voice the characters. Well, and a lot of them are people that weren't really as well-known beforehand. Exactly. Uh, but then you've got you've got some heavy hitters in there. Um, you've got... Let me actually... Let me pull it up, because um, it's worth mentioning some of these names. All right, here we go. So we've got uh, Ben Schwartz, who a lot of you might know from the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. He plays Dewey Duck. You've got uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is in there as uh, Fenton Crackshell Cabrera. He's awesome. Catherine Tate, who's really big in uh, the British uh, side of things. She uh, plays Magic of Dispel. 
which is really great because she's one of the primary antagonists of Scrooge McDuck, played by David Tennant, the 10th Doctor in Doctor Who, and Catherine Tate is in I think my opinion I I don't I think you share it it's probably his best companion and one of the best companions in the history of Doctor Who I very much like And so her. it's really great that the I, two of them I get really to like her. I love that the two of them get to kind of you know come back together for oh, this I mean we've even got some more names on there like the, the cast oh, yeah. is great There's a bunch of them Allison Janney um David Kay Kate Micucci, mm-hmm. uh, who does Mabel in Gravity Falls. Yep. She's uh, Webby Vandercrack. And then um, you got uh, Margot Martindale as Ma Beagle. And you got uh, Jim Cummings, who back in the 90s was Darkwing Duck, uh, along with like all of the other hundreds of things that he was, Winnie the Pooh, um, Dr. Robotnik. Um, he's, I love Jim Cummings. He's a prolific voice actor. Oh, yeah, no, he's got, he's got a great... He look. reprises in an episode, uh, actually, I think in two... Um, his original role as uh, Darkwing Dark Duck. Duck. Um, and if you grew up with this show, please watch this reboot because so, oh my goodness, the references they have in this. I did not grow up with Darktales, but I know some of these references because they're just a part of like you know the psyches of their world, and it is beautiful. It's so it's so they do such a respectful job. Um, it's not just transformative. It It's not just elevated. It's a whole nother caliber of cartoon. It is written by people who obviously already the love material. the property and care about it very much. Exactly. And the level of effort they put into this, every element that is designed, the character designs are modeled after the original Scrooge McDuck comic books. I, um, I will say one of the things I absolutely love, having watched some of the old stuff now, mm-hmm. Huey, Dewey, and Louie in this show are amazing. Right? In the original 90s cartoon, they're they're great for the time. Yeah. They're, they're, they're very... You go back, you watch a lot of 90s cartoons, and it's very, very easy to tell when you've got, like, the late 80s, early 90s vibe, because characters fit into a number of uh, archetypes. archetypes. And they're fairly simple, so the plots can be, you know, moved through uh, with relative ease. And in the original, they're basically the same person. They're triplets, and they're identical, so the easiest thing for the writers to do, and the thing that made sense, was to just make them identical triplets. And as a matter of fact, if you go back and you read some of the early comics, that's kind of it, like, to the point that they would finish each other's sentences. And that's not a knock on the original show. I loved it as a kid. I still go back and watch it. It's cool. I have a particular fondness for the uh, full-length film that they put out, and it's cool. Which they also reference. In, in the show. Yeah, they reference it in the uh, opening credits. There's an entire episode that references it. Uh, in really, really good ways. But um, in the new show, they decided they wanted to do more than that. They, they took it a step further. They went, well, they're triplets. There's an older, a middle, and a younger. And so they, they based their personalities off of some of the most common archetypical traits of, you know, your your eldest child, your middle child, and your, you know, youngest child. And they and then they kinda went, okay, well how do we make these fun? Yeah, so you got the responsible them. one, you got the adventurous one, you got the lazy one, you know, but they're not limited to those. No. At all. And they all they all have a lot of depth, they're even from so, the beginning. They're so funny. I um, love them. And there's lots of little references, too. Like, well, in the original, all three of them were junior woodchucks. Because 
They're identical. So, yeah, they're all going to have the same hobbies. They make a really quick callback to that and the fact that Huey, the oldest, is a junior woodchuck. He's the responsible one, and he's the one that wants to follow the rules and understand things, and he's the reader. So, yeah, obviously he's going to be the Boy Scout of the group. And so that's a constant callback, but it's never done just because they feel like it needs to be there. It's done because it's part of his character, and it always makes sense. It always makes sense. Every time it comes up... And it does come up quite frequently because he brings up the junior woodchuck guy guidebook all the yeah. time. Yeah, which is which is great. It's a great. It's a fun callback for anybody who watched the original. But it's also key to the character in the new version. If, if for anyone that watched the original, throw us some names of people that they would know. That uh, okay, Webby. Webby was in the original. She was your prototypical like tag along little girl. Um, she was very girly. Uh, she got scared of things a lot. She would occasionally, you know, woman up and, and do stuff that would surprise people, but then usually freak out about something else afterwards. But that's not the Webby of this show. No, the Webby of this show is, uh, she's trained by her grandmother, grandmother who is Mrs. Beakley, um, <laughs> in things like self-defense and stealth. And she's martial a, arts. And she's a bit of a fangirl for the whole family. She's a huge fangirl of Scrooge McDuck, and she's super excitable. And a also, dark. yeah, but, but, but she not, doesn't realize it. Yeah, yeah, totally oblivious to it. <laughs> she's a, she's oblivious to her darkness. Um, and she's she's, she's a, a bit a of a loose amazing. cannon. She's a she is probably out of all of the shows we have listed, probably my favorite character. She is a she's fantastic so character. Good. She's hilarious. Um, I see a lot of myself in her. Mm, yeah, I do too. <laughs> and that's all, I, that's how I should have introduced myself. <laughs> I should have been like, it's okay. Hi. I'll cut this section Hi, out. Internet. I'll move it back to the beginning. Yeah, Hi, Internet. <laughs> Everyone will get it. Go watch DuckTales, the new reboot. <laughs> I am Webby. There, there you go. Uh, oh, except I don't give you a grappling gun. For yes. safety reasons. Um, yes. Or night vision goggles. I have night vision goggles. No, you don't. I do. What? I do. Moving on. Let's see. Oh, you know what? Mrs. Beakley. In the original, um, she's very much that, like, stuffy British maid kind of character. Is she? Yeah, kind of. Oh my gosh, sorry. That's just... She's very much about cooking and cleaning and watching after the kids. Like, that's it. And and that's, wow. that's kind of her thing. And in the new one, she's like this... This gruff, rough and tumble, like take no nonsense, take charge, kind of spy and uh, like like could could be an assassin. Sin. Oh, she's um, yeah, she, she's huge. Her past, it's, like, but I don't want to know Mrs. Beakley's. Well, past. in the original, in the original, like she's a big lady, but it's you know because she's like that soft, you know, huggable kind of like grandmotherly type. In this version, she's normal. a big lady. But you can tell it's because she could lift you over her head and chuck you. like Because she does. And it's great. And it, it works beautifully. And the dynamic between her and I Scrooge. Secretary. Yes. Um, oh, okay. So a really big change that is also really reminiscent of the comics is um, in this, in the original, we get to see Donald Duck, I think, I think twice and only in brief cameos in the entire show. He's not around. In the new show... He's, he's a character, yeah. Yeah, he's he's, he's taking care of his nephews. He's raising them. And so um, he's a big part of the family dynamic. Uh, there's also a lot of callbacks to some of the old adventures that Donald and Scrooge used to have, which, again, is constant references to the comics. In fact, um, one of the better-known stories in the comics is referenced in the intro sequence, and it's when they're fighting the Flying Dutchman and his pirate ship. Oh, I love... 
That's a good episode entirely in that um, show, too. So, um... But, yes, it does reference the comic. And, yeah. And it does come back later in the show. Yeah, there's tons of stuff that comes back oh, later in the show. Good. They bring back a lot of old villains. Um, uh, Flintheart Glombold. Um, of the singing. It's great. The musical number's great. No, 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 the, the, the ship, the pirate ship, not the, you're thinking of, okay, so that is actually a different show, and this is another thing that's a strength oh, of DuckTales. Oh, you're so right, Hold on. I, I am mistaken, I know exactly what you're going to reference totally okay. right now. So, um, exactly another thing that DuckTales 2017 does incredibly well is it integrates a lot of things that were kind of fan theories, kind of hinted at, but never really proven in the original run, because in the original run, there was DuckTales. There was Darkwing Duck. There was also Tailspin, Chippendales Rescue Rangers. They had all these shows that came out around the same time. They didn't. They were independent of each other, which was especially weird because Darkwing Duck and Ducktales both had Launchpad McQuack in them, and he's the exact same character, but he doesn't feel the same in both shows. He's much more competent in Darkwing, but they're running at the same time, and you're never really given a reason why. Well. The in new, the show you do. The new DuckTales says, you know what? This is all one shared universe. They, we don't see, at least this far, we haven't, they haven't finished the third season right now. Uh, and I haven't caught up because Disney Plus hasn't dropped at all. But uh, they reference Cape Suzette. Which is Which from... is the city that, t- that DuckTales takes, yep. uh, or that, yeah, that Tailspin, Tailspin takes place primarily say, in. We, we are now referencing Tailspin. The, the reference I made was the wrong reference because You were referencing episode... Don Carnage, yes. who is the, the, he's the, like, the airplane pirate mm-hmm. who was a primary antagonist Tagnus. for Baloo yep. in and Tailspin. Tailspin. And yes. he makes a big appearance in, I think, two episodes. It's really good, And it's too. great. Yeah, they've I got a musical with, number. It's hilarious. I grew up with Tailspin. I love Tailspin. So. It's, uh, it's a good introduction for any child who needs to understand Casablanca. Um, <clears throat> Still haven't seen it. It's okay. No. Uh, it's not okay. But that's so, okay. Uh, as I already mentioned, they referenced Darkwing Duck in this show. Yeah. In fact, the first time we're introduced to it, it's because... Launchpad is a huge fan of the original 90s cartoon. I really, I stand Launchpad. I identify with Launchpad. If, if, that, if that's the best way to introduce ourselves, my wife, my wife identifies with Webby. I identify with Launchpad so hard. He is a mood. Um, I am entirely too distractible. I am entirely too oblivious. And I am entirely too into the stuff I'm into. Although I would also say I'm a lot like her best friend. Oh my gosh, Lena. Yeah. Yes. If you just merged, merged the two, yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah, so it's it's great because it's a it's a callback within a callback. It's meta as as everything because the first couple of times we see anything about Darkwing Duck, it's just this in joke reference to the old '90s cartoon. At one point, um, he tries to put on a cassette tape for the kids to watch while they're flying somewhere, and it's stuck on the end credits and so you just hear the like the jazz smooth sax from the original actual end credit sequence with the actual original theme tune um and it just plays like this five second loop of it and the kids start to go out of their heads and as someone who grew up watching this as a kid it immediately hit me with this wave of nostalgia when you hear it um there's another point where you see a clip from the show Launchpad grew up watching. And it's not the actual original cartoon. They do it. They make a sequence in the new show. But they get the original voice actors in. Yep. There's also... There's one episode which there's is... very good stuff. 
There is an episode, probably my favorite episode uh, in the third season so far that I've seen. Because, like I said, I haven't seen all of it. All of my favorite episodes are spoilers, so I can't say anything. Yeah. Um, but there is an episode <laughs> in the third season that is probably my favorite in that season. Uh-huh. What, would, probably what is no, your favorite? My, my favorite episode, probably in no small part, it is a Launchpad-centric episode. It's it's called, I think it's called Double O Duck and You Only Live Twice. And it's about Launchpad and Dewey, who, by this point in the show, are, like, the best friends. Mm-hmm. They are playing, like, a VR spy game and real... Spy bad guys are up to hijinks, people who are against Scrooge. And they get roped into something, and Launchpad doesn't realize they're not still playing the game because he's an idiot. It's a really good And it's good great. And it I keep has... saying that. All I keep saying is, it's a really good episode. Yeah. If you haven't, okay, don't stop listening to us now. But after we're done, go find the show. Go, it's go on watch Disney it. Plus. It's on Disney Plus. You, you got the first probably two seasons already there. have it. We yeah. all know we all are, we are the slaves to the, the Disney Masters. Overlords? Yeah. So if you already are, why aren't you watching it? Yeah, you really should be. But uh, there's a callback in that episode to the Rescue Rangers. And it's fantastic. They make these constant they're, they're very the show is very aware of itself. But not as a show. It's very aware of the world in which it takes place. Uh, Gizmo Duck pops up. Oh, Gizmo Duck! Yeah, and, I love and again, Gizmoduck. again, um, again, uh, Lin Lin Manuel Miranda does a great Bring job Robin in the role. Then. Yeah, um, you get uh, just lots of lots of side characters. Gyro Gearloose is a big part of things from time to time. You've got the Beagle Boys. You've got let's see. Oh, uh, at one point you meet you you visit Scrooge's parents, and he actually is as old. And yeah, in this so, show, as he is in the so that's another really, really great thing that I love about the show is one of the things the show does is it puts it in modern day, but it doesn't update Scrooge's origin. Instead, it uses a lot of the things from the old cartoon, from the comics, uh, in Scrooge's life, and it explains how a man as old as Scrooge can still be alive, yet alone, uh, let alone as spry as he is, um, and it's. It's done really well, and it's it's done for laughs, honestly, and it's really funny, and and you just go with it. You just go with it, and Scrooge is great. Scrooge, David Tennant puts in just a top David tier Tennant, performance. David Tennant is like he makes the show what it is. Well, it's about Scrooge yeah, and his family, but, so he better. But he is a fantastic voice actor, and a lot of people know him. As just Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. He is and, in and if so not, much fantastic If not, stuff. they know him from another... Like, you know, if you're into British television, he's been involved in a few things yeah. over the years. Uh, before I saw him on Doctor Who, I actually saw the... We watched Casanova. Yeah, we saw Casanova, which uh, is actually the role that got him Doctor, Doctor Who, Who. Because they basically said, do that, but as the Doctor. Um, and it was great. But, like, he does a lot of serious things. But to see him being able to just kind of relax and really just enjoy himself... Fun. Fun it's with something that's a... I love seeing... It's nostalgic. I love seeing Lynn in that position, too. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, we all know Lynn. He's got a lot riding know. on him now because of Hamilton. Yeah. And we just saw him in the Mary Poppins Returns. hmm And, you know, we have him in a lot of these really, like, they're really fun, but he's known as this powerhouse. And just seeing him be able to take this, like, he it's not a main character. No. It's a second-hand character. No, but he's an important second-hand character. a lot of fun with. Yeah. It's just really awesome seeing these actors being able to just kind of relax. And a lot of them that are in the show grew up with the original, and that's mm-hmm. why they decided mm-hmm. to do this project. It is it is just 
Yes, world and, class, and you can tell that a lot of the people doing the project really have a fondness really for the show. It. And it's just, it's just so much fun. Do we want to move on to something else a little nostalgic? You know what? Uh, yeah. What, what, do you, what do you want to talk about? So I was thinking, since we're talking about something that you grew up with, yeah. we could talk about something I grew up with. All right. And I will admit, edutainment, as we've already seen repeatedly, was definitely one of the things that was very much I was exposed to as a child. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite edutainment either shows and or computer games of all times was where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Can we please talk about the reboot, the show Carmen San Diego on Netflix? Because, oh my gosh, people of internet land. Oh, it is so good. Do it, Rockefeller. Okay, so hear me out. If you guys have ever watched this, the old school show Carmen San Diego, which if you haven't, it's a pretty good show. Either the game show and or the cartoon. The cartoon. Yeah, the, it's pretty good. They were both pretty good. I grew up though with the games as the player trying to find said Carmen international super spy San Diego. You know what? Uh, we we actually Jacob and I discussed the Carmen San Diego games on one of our first podcasts. Oh, it's so so, good. so call back to yeah. episode. So we whatever. We, yeah, we we both had exposure there. Fantastic. Okay, so. Carmen Sandiego is a Netflix show. I don't know if it's if it premiered on Netflix. Did yes. it premiere on Netflix or did yes. they buy it? Okay. So it premiered on Netflix and it is on its fourth season. And the show starts out as this. Carmen Sandiego works for um, Vile. Vile, yes. Which is a they're, they're the group of world-renowned... World-class thieves. Thieves. That is what they are known for. And they go around stealing... The most precious works of art. They go around stealing these priceless gems and things that will never be able to be remade or redone because they are so high class. And then they sell them to bad people for lots of money to fund more evil schemes. While Carmen, growing up in this, decides that she does not want to live that kind of life. She doesn't want to be a spy anymore. She wants to go steal from the spies in order to return the goods. Yeah, cause she so so the the story starts with her like basically being raised on the island where their main base she of operations is, is. She is a thief <clears throat> prodigy. Yeah, by all accounts. Yeah, and she learns from the best in the world as she grows up. And then her first assignment, she goes out and she gets a taste of the real world. And it's not necessarily like she's she's like blown away by what's out there. It's that during she, the theft, somebody gets. Hurt, and she realizes that thievery is bad because and, she's never actually seen anything but what they've told her. And not just that it's bad, but that it genuinely hurts people. Not only is it just and she has a conscience that you are taking. Yeah. And by this point, her name isn't even Carmen San Diego. No, her name is Black got, Sheep. Yeah, she's just got a code name. As do all of the other people on this island that Vile is controlling. So she decides to run away, and uh, in the process, she gets her hands on like a black box full of information from Vile's like servers that has a lot of like uh, their you know future upcoming crimes inside. And on the way of that. She runs into a person who becomes her greatest ally in order to figure things out and be able to uncover things. And that is Player. Who's this, like, 
top tier hacker who finds the signal from vile servers and is like, oh look, something challenging, and hacks into the comms network and contacts Carmen, and that's how they end up talking. Which I love because it's a reference to the game. Yes. We are actively watching the player well, help Carmen. It's a reference to the old cartoon show too. As well. Because yeah. the what's his face? The funky talking head is always and and the the kids who are tracking Carmen are always like, okay, player, and then they'll like ask you like some question about the geography of you know or the culture. And the if area. we're going back to the old old show, the game show, yeah. we've got Acme in this as well. Yes, well, and the old games because mm-hmm. the old games you're an Acme agent, you're exactly. A gumshoe. Um, and so uh, Acme gets involved. Interpol is involved. Um, and so what ends up happening is Carmen Carmen becomes like a counter thief. She steals from the thieves before they can do it and then turns around and either finds a way to return whatever it is safely or if it's something that's already bad like like something that was like stolen or something that belongs to the bad guys she'll like give it away for charity or something yeah but she'll she'll usually get money for it and then give it away to charity yeah like she is she is now actively working against file while at the same time acme thinks that she is a top-tier vile agent and is trying to take Carmen down. It is a fantastic story. Yeah, so now she's on the run both from Vile and Acme and some Interpol agents while trying to stop the actual bad guys from doing bad things by doing them first in this sort of Robin Hood-esque kind of fashion. And while the story goes on, you find more about her. She actually doesn't know anything about herself when the show starts. Yeah. She was literally brought to the island as a baby, and we uncover things as the show goes on. I will say, as edutainment goes, this is awesome. It's, the places it's, it teaches. It's pretty them. low on the edutainment yes. scale. They they do it a little bit lighter. Yeah, they do do it. Like it still references it feels, the same kind of thing. It feels like the computer game to me. Kind of, yeah. Like you like, get just enough. The, the you're way like, oh, that they I learned something. And the maps they show it. It is awesome, guys. The animation is cool. The dialogue. It's not just that it's snappy. It's that there are moments where you're like, like you could see a conversation actually going that way. Yeah. I will say, though... Some of it's the, very the points, movie dialogue. The points where they do put edutainment, it does sometimes make you go, ugh, and roll your eyes because it is done so ridiculously. But it is also... That's kind of... That kind of adds to the charm of the show. Yeah, and there's there's a little... There's some over-the-top moments, but they're supposed to be, and the show knows they're supposed to be because she's fighting, like, other spies with weird code names, and, like, you've got one guy who likes to dig, and yeah. you've got one dude who... Is basically a bird, and you've got this chick with cat claws, and and they're all like thieves who are fighting her while trying to do the job, and and you know it gets weird and very quippy, and and it's fun. Yeah, and she wears the old school outfit, but she also has kind of an updated version of it too. And yeah, she's got the trench coat and the hat. The theme song is oh, it's laps. It's awesome. Yeah, it's good. It's a really great update. A lot of these shows have really show. good theme it's got, songs. The show has a very noir feel to it. Which I love. You know, I wonder if that's an important. I wonder if that's an important marker. I think I don't think any of the the shows we've mentioned have bad theme songs. I think they all have really good theme songs. I I think I'll have to agree with you. Yeah. 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 They all got really good theme songs. Maybe that's it. Good theme song, good show. I don't know. Anyways, but it is a fantastic show, and I would highly recommend. And as as you are listening to us on the internet, I I do believe you probably have Netflix and or have stolen an account of somebody else close to you. It's a family account, or somebody We're broken fine. up with. Yeah, I'm not gonna judge. They haven't changed the password yet. I am. I'm not gonna judge. Either way, get you some Carmen in your life. It's a great way to spend an evening, an afternoon, a few minutes here and there. It is a great show, and it'll bring you some nostalgia feels. 
All right. Um, I think we are we're moving towards the end of this episode, so let's move into the lightning round here. Okay. Let's go for it. <clears throat> All right. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna list a show, and I want to hear your uh, 15 second thoughts, reactions. All right. Okay. Here's a couple from from your uh, personal list. Uh, Loud House. Loud House is a great show. It's about a boy who's being raised with a bunch of sisters. I think there's ten of them in the whole entire house, and it is a great show that shows that girls don't have to fit a certain kind of archetype, and boys don't have to fit a certain type of archetype. They also have really great representation, including disabilities. They have a Down syndrome character in the show, which is really cool. It's uh, really awesome. You have a sister with Down syndrome, so I it's do. cool to see that kind of representation. I totally agree. I haven't seen the show as much as you. I have definitely seen more than a handful of episodes, and I agree that it is very well written, and it's. It definitely, it feels a little bit like that late 90s um, Nickelodeon era. But, totally. But with like a, that more modern kind of stripped down uh, art yeah. style. Um, I would definitely recommend it. It's a really fun show and it's really mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Camp Cretaceous. Camp Cretaceous is a really great show that is taking <clears throat> place during Jurassic World. It actually is going in the exact same time. Yeah. The island shuts down. These kids are on a camp. It is the first time that they are doing this camp. And so yeah, it's a, bunch a test of, for yeah, it. Yeah, it's a test for it. So all the kids in this camp are either wealthy or well-known or are blogging about it. So you watch as the show develops and you see a lot of highlights from the movies as well as kind of like the antithesis to the scenes in the movies. It's just a great show. Please take it away. Um, yeah, so being that it's it's concurrent, um, it actually starts slightly before the film does. Concurrent was the word I was looking for. It's okay. It's apparently a word I misused a few weeks ago, so, you know, whatever. So when it starts, they're the first group of kids that are ever doing this. They're testing the viability of it as a thing. And so there's like only a handful of kids, and the camp is set up to serve like a couple hundred, I think. Uh, and they're just doing this test group. And then right in the middle of it, the events of Jurassic World happen. So the dinosaurs get out. The, the You know, the whole park shuts down. Yep. The Indominus gets out. It, it goes nuts. And they really tie the show in very well to the events of the film. And it makes a lot of sense when and how things happen. I am at least trying to stick to my 15 seconds. Hey, um, but very good show. Your lightning isn't very lightning. Is very it? well written. What? No, we just strike a lot. Got it. This is a big storm. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, all right. Here's one. Here's what I can probably talk about more than you. Shira. Shira. That's a good one too. Yes. That's it. So you got. I've watched very few episodes of it. Oh. I am absolutely loving the budding romance. You want to talk about a show? <laughs> you want to talk about a show with a theme song? At slaps. least, at least I'm guessing there's a budding romance. There's a I few. Sh- I ship them. There's a few. Ship I, who? I won't say who I ship. Oh, I just okay. ship them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, those of you who have seen the show, you know. And as someone who's seen the show all the way through, man, there is some serious payoff. There is. You know, there's there's a couple of there's a couple of shows out there where I think the only flaw they really have is that endings are hard. That's another really good nostalgia. Show. Yes, She-Ra's another show that proves that you can reboot a property well if you care about it. Exactly. And they really do. They transform it. Now, I'll be honest. As someone who didn't watch a lot of He-Man or She-Ra growing up because they were in like the generation right before mine, I did catch some of them, and I I always enjoyed She-Ra more. It had better plots and better villains, and and was just generally a better show. I will say the take on She-Ra is really interesting. And the take, yeah, the 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 way that they you know remix the whole concept it's is really interesting. It's brilliant. And and it really, won't, it really won't well done. feel like sacrilegious for anyone who grew up on it. No. Uh, speaking of shows that should be sacrilegious and absolutely aren't, Magic School Bus rides again. Is 
edutainment. It's really good. So, if you haven't seen it, it's it's really good. There's a few points in it where, as somebody who grew up with the original show, I was like, are you kidding me? Especially, like, the first episode when you see who the teacher actually is, which is Miss Frizzle's sister, Miss Frizzle. Frizzle. So, the show does a really, really fantastic job of of explaining its own existence really fast. It, it's basically, they posit that everything that happened in the original show happens in one year of school, which... Wow. Is probably the biggest pill to swallow that that legitimately only took, like, the fourth grade. So, the show starts with them going into the fifth grade, and they meet their new science teacher, who is also Miss Frizzle, but it's Miss Frizzle's younger sister. Which, I've already said this in other, like, conversations we've had with me and you. Yeah. Why, oh why, did the school, specifically for elementary school, have a science teacher? Just a science teacher. I'm thinking it was a magnet school. It's probably a STEM school. I doubt it. Have you seen some of those kids? Maybe it's like a lottery school. Like, they just, they win their way in. So it's like, oh, okay. I can play sure. That. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. I or understand. Arnold. I don't know why he even entered that lottery. No, his parents would have. It would have been his choice. Poor Arnold's parents. The therapy that kid is going to need. But no, they meet. Lily Tomlin's even in it. Uh, Every episode. Yeah. As Miss Frizzle. But she is no longer their teacher. She's going off and doing her own, like... Research. Yeah, like, college professor thesis work stuff. And she left Liz with her sister. Yes. And so she takes a new animal sidekick who... What are they, like, a sloth or something like that? I thought it was a monkey. Is it, it's some kind of... Yeah, orangutan. Ape? Ape, it's something. Anyway. I um, can't believe I just called an ape a monkey. It might be a monkey. It doesn't have a tail. So, uh, she takes over the position that the, the producer had at the end of the original show, answering, like, questions from, from kids. And so she does that. It's very cool. Yeah, which is really great. It's a really good callback. It feels like the original show without being totally overdone. Yeah. I really like it. I recommend it. Yeah. Next show. Let's see, uh, Milo Murphy's Law. This is a show that we should have actually covered in the episode. We should, we should. I'm sure we'll have a part two where we come and cover some of these again. Milo Murphy is a fantastic show, and if you like Weird Al Yankovic at all, his sense of humor, watch the show. In fact, even if you don't, watch, watch it anyway. Show. It's great. Also, if you, um, it is not a sequel, it is a spinoff that doesn't make itself apparent immediately. Of Phineas and Ferb. So we were already going to like things. If you like Disney, watch Sophia the First. Yeah. If you like anything that sounds like DuckTales or anything like that, obviously watch DuckTales. If you grew up with Phineas and Ferb, watch... Go back and watch Milo Murphy's Law. It's like two seasons. It's really good. It's an easy show to get through. It is hilarious. It's start to finish. It's just funny. The timeline that they have is really good. And the things that they start at the beginning of the show have fantastic payoff. Yes. Yes. That is one of those shows that they will have little references to. They reuse to. everything. They will have little references to, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, that's actively important? It's yeah. really... Yeah, every yeah. time, like, the it's, tiny little throwaway lines aren't. Uh, it is very um, good. I keep saying that. It is very good. Yes. It is very good. Well, we wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't. It is really good. Um, I don't even like... <coughs> I now appreciate Weird Al. I was not one of those people that grew up with Weird Al. He voices Milo. Yes. He, he voices the titular character, yeah. Milo Murphy, who is from the long line of Murphy. As in Murphy's, Murphy's law. law. So everything that can go wrong around <laughs> Milo does. And, and he has learned to live with this. And it's about him and his two best friends and how they handle the hijinks of his life and how optimistically he handles it. It is. It teaches you a lot mm. about personal growth <clears throat> and how a bad day isn't always a bad day. It's a good show. It's also on Disney+. Plus. I got one more we can probably talk about. 
Miraculous. Miraculous is really good if you like anime. It's 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 not an anime. It's not an anime. But if it, you like anime, it's, and you like what is it? It's French, right? Yeah. Which makes sense because it takes place in Paris. Yes. Um, it's another show you can find on Netflix. Don't watch that show if you don't want to be aggravated. Oh my gosh. Okay. So so super mini rant here. It's actually just it's a really well done show. It's about this girl who has. They don't really tell you until, like, most of the way through the first season what's going on, actually. You just kind of jump into it. She's a superhero. She's basically a superhero. She can transform into this thing called Miraculous Ladybug, and, um, she has a Miraculous that is controlled by a... Yeah, this thing called a Miraculous, um, which is controlled by this little creature that, like, turns into her outfit, and she has, like, crazy cool acrobatic skills, and, um... You really just butchered the show, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, and then there's another character who also has... Another miraculous, miraculous thing, and his name is Cat Noir. Cat Noir, and they don't know who each other are. They like they're both in their secret identities all the time when they're fighting crime. And there's you this... learn very quickly that Cat Noir has a total thing for Ladybug, and in real life, Ladybug, who does not know who Cat Noir is, has a crush on the guy who is secretly Cat Noir. So they both like each other, but only in their alternate identities. So like. They're friends at school, but he doesn't really have kind a of. thing they, for... Yeah, they not they know each other. Yeah, but they become friends. <clears throat> and and they, he doesn't really, like, have a thing for her. He considers her a friend. Meanwhile, she's pining for him constantly. And then when they're out fighting, he's, like, all about her. Wants to know who she is. Wants to know who she is under the mask. Just wants to be close to her. And she's, like, she doesn't have the time of day for him. Oh, And totally. it's hilarious. It's so funny. But it's so frustrating because it just keeps going. There's so many close calls where in every reasonable expectation their secret identity should be revealed it and, should be and they keep it not doing it so if and it you gets want so to be maddening. frustrated but the show's really watch good the show. it's well written i wouldn't necessarily say it's in the same it tier actually actually frustrates me and I, I keep going back to watch the show that is that's how good the i show wouldn't is. say it's in the same tier with a lot of the other shows that we've talked about i agree um, I, I wouldn't put it in the same caliber it's just a fun show to just watch i would put it with these other shows for one reason that theme song is fire. It's true. It is absolutely phenomenal. And you want to talk about an earworm. The artistry is also really good. It's re- yeah, it's really, really well, well animated. animated. And considering what they have to work with translating it from French, it's they, a pretty they, good job. they do a pretty good job. They do a pretty good job. And um, I like it. It's fun. Can I add one more thing? Can absolutely. So, there's a show called Big City Greens. It was on my list to talk about. Mm-hmm. It is a Disney show. I will say very quickly, if you grew up with old school Nickelodeon or old school Disney cartoons, I would say that is the modern interpretation of those shows. I could agree. It's very, it very much feels like, like, I mean, it's definitely in with modern cartoons, but it kind of harkens back to a lot of those old tropes, tropes and those ideas. So if you're looking for something that kind of gives you that feel of nostalgia without being something you've already watched, I would yeah. really recommend it. As, as a new show. Yeah, it's very good. And I would put that on the same level as a lot of these yeah. other shows. But I just wanted to throw that out there, that it's a it's just a good show to just kick back and watch. It's it's basically like the Beverly Hillbillies without the oil. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's if they just decided to move to the city anyway. Yeah, they just moved to the city. It, like I said, if you grew up with those kind of cartoons, you're going to like the show. Especially if you're like a boy. Yep. Although, girls will love this show too. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. Yes. It, if you grew up with those old school boy cartoons, it's very much the modern interpretation of that. So I got one I want to tack on here. That uh, I know you haven't seen yet, and I really want you to see it. I didn't know you hadn't seen it yet until we were putting this together. Uh, and that is Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. I hadn't seen it yet. No, I so, didn't grow up with Scooby-Doo. So I grew up with Scooby-Doo. I have loved 
pretty much every iteration of Scooby-Doo. I've watched everything from, you know, the original Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, to, you know, Scooby-Doo and the 13 Ghosts, to the spin-off movies with Scooby and Shaggy, to Scooby-Doo and the Harlem Globetrotters and Batman, and grew up with all of it. Loved it all. But Mystery Incorporated does the best job of taking everything we know about Scooby-Doo and making something that is just chef's kiss. It's just beautifully, beautifully Would you recommend crafted. if I never, didn't grow up with Scooby-Doo, starting with that? Yes, okay. actually, uh, because it tells you everything you need to know about Scooby-Doo, and it distills it down to its essence. They reference a lot of old stuff. They make a lot of callbacks. Because I've been to get into Scooby-Doo, <clears throat> it just, I hadn't known where to start yet. Because it's kind of daunting. I mean, it's been around for it's huge. quite a while. Yeah, there's a lot like, of a it. a long time. So the nice so. thing about Mystery Incorporated is, I, if I remember right, it's two seasons long. And it has a cohesive start-to-finish story, okay. instead of just being an episode like like Monster episodic, of the Week kind yeah. of thing. And so there's just enough that you can follow it start-to-finish, and you don't have to feel like you don't know where to start or stop. Awesome. Because it starts and it stops, and it's good. And the characters are well done, the voice acting is great, the art style is really cool, I like it. It also has the funniest callback in the history of Scooby-Doo. In the town they live in, there's a museum, and it details like all of the cases they've already cracked. And it's got wax figures of all the old monsters they've busted and stuff like that. And at one point, there is a moment where they walk over and there is a wax figure of Scrappy-Doo. And there is a callback. It is one of the best things ever for anyone who grew up with Scooby-Doo. Because it's it's not like a huge punchline. It's like an in-the-moment kind of thing. It's a very natural sentence. But it just comes out of nowhere. You're not expecting it. And it's just beautiful. The whole show is just really well done, and it just encapsulates the spirit of Scooby-Doo really well. So, on our way out, one last question. Do you have any regrets in the last, you know, ten years of cartoons? Either anything you regret personally, anything that you regret not having done, um, anything that you regret having watched? Shoot, there's plenty of things I regret having watched. I have watched a lot of bad television. Okay. I will say, though, I really regret... The attitude I had for a while, because I was one of those people that was like, these are kids' shows, I don't want to watch it. And I think having that attitude uh, for anything, that this is this group of people's thing, I cannot enjoy it, Mm. or appreciate it, and, you know, have it be age, have it be gender, it doesn't matter. If you think you'll enjoy it, give it a try. Right, and And don't let your preconceptions hold you back. Because, honestly, I have found some of the most entertaining stories, some of the most genuine characters, and had one of the most enjoyable times with my husband watching these shows. Yeah, and I think a big thing that the last, like, ten years of cartoons has really shown is that cartoons are no longer just a children's platform. And there's a lot of adult cartoons out there. Like, I mean, at the very least, since, like, The Simpsons. Uh, To be fair, The Flintstones was originally marketed as an adult show. They had Commercials for cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Although, so did everything else. But Well, yeah, but I mean, like, Fred and Barney actually advertised them. Yeah. But I think it's really shown in the last few years that entertainment isn't something that we should really be gatekeeping. And so I I, I appreciate that. I like that. Um, I think... What about for, you? For me, I think my biggest regret is seeing properties that I love that have been treated poorly. Yeah, that's um, really hard. That haven't been given their due. Uh, two of them specifically come to mind, and they were both ones that were canceled, and I really don't think they should have been. Uh, and that was um, the Thundercats reboot in 2011. Mm-hmm. was really great. was going somewhere really strong, and it only got one season, and it really needed more because right at the end it was it was really getting there. But it was it didn't picking get, up. Yeah, but it didn't get the viewership that they wanted. 
And in the same sense, Tron Uprising is a really great, really different kind of cartoon because of the art style that they use and the, the way that they really kind of dig into the world of the grid. It's really good. But again, it got canceled, you know, just as things were really hyping up. Plus it has an all-star voice cast, and I will watch anything with Bruce Boxleitner in it. Um, so those are those made me really sad. Uh, but I do have a hope, and that is that this whole uh, idea that cartoons are not for kids anymore is really... It's getting out there, not just in things like, you know, Family Guy and Rick and Morty, where you've got kind of the crass stuff, but there is a show coming up. It is it is a kid's show, but it is a property that is not for kids until now. It's, it's always been seen as an, an adult show. And we're both really excited for it. Right? Uh, and they already have an animated show, but they're making... Uh, Star Trek has just announced that this year they're bringing out something called Star Trek Prodigy, which is basically about a ragtag group of kids that find a Starfleet ship and go on adventures. We know very little about it, but it's being handled by the same guys who are, you know, doing everything now. And it looks really good. And also, um, Captain Janeway is coming back Which as a really character. So I'm really excited to see that when it's set and, and what's going on. We, we don't know, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So with that, yeah, do you have any anything to recommend or plug? So at the beginning of this, I mentioned that I don't watch a lot of movies. Now, if you're one of those people that, like me, secretly have those movies you just haven't watched yet, you're like, oh man, that was just mentioned in a conversation again, and I haven't seen it, I'll just laugh along awkwardly or pretend I don't exist for a little while, well, might I recommend you actually sit down and watch some of those, because this weekend I finally watched Goodwill Hunting, Fight Club, and Gladiator, and might I say, they are some fantastic movies. I know everyone talks about them, but my gosh, are they good. Goodwill Hunting is probably one of my favorite movies, but Gladiator is just, it is something else. So, you know, as the new year starts, sit down, distract yourself for a little bit, and watch something new, or old. Any plugs? Anything going on with you? Personally, I don't have anything to rep. I'm looking at repping something in the future. I have something in the works, personally, but nothing that I can actually put on the internet yet. All right, all right. In <clears throat> I might be starting my own podcast, so if you enjoy my voice, stay tuned. Uh, okay, so, uh, I have been slowly working my way up to modernity, and this week I can finally wreck something that is actually pretty recent. Go for it. I got my hands on the Spider-Man 2018 PS4 game, and I'm almost done with it. I'm like 90% of the way through the main campaign. It is just a phenomenal title, and I'm stoked to get my hands on Miles Morales afterwards. Oh my gosh. See, I grew up when uh, we had the original, like, Spider-Man versus the Kingpin on the Sega Genesis. Um, so I've been playing Spider-Man games for a long time. This is absolutely everything a Spider-Man game ought to be and more. Um, so if you love Spider-Man or you just love video games, play this game. It is really just amazing. As far as films, I got a, a recommendation as well. And that would be uh, the other movie that we watched last week. Uh, the New Mutants is not a perfect movie. But, but it, it is a good movie. But it is a good movie. I really enjoyed it. It's got some some holes, but it's also got heart. If you and like it, horror. Yeah, it does a really great job of taking and you if know, you like superheroes, the world you of, like of like movie. mutants in the X-Men universe, and it makes a great horror film out of it. And and it's I'm kind of saddened that that it was Fox's swan song for the X-Men. Because I could have used a sequel. I think I could have used a I sequel. I think at the too. end of the film they had a really good group of kids. I totally and agree. And I would I've loved to see what they did next, because they're all a bunch of misfits and they're all messed up and it's great. But uh but yeah, go give it a check. Check it out. It's in Redbox right now. Um I'm pretty sure it's 
It's up online somewhere, probably like HBO Max or something like that. But I would totally recommend it too. Yeah, so it's great, Rick. Uh, as far as plugs go, besides the podcast here, we are obviously at AD Discussion. So I will post things whenever my attention span uh, reminds me that I'm supposed to. Which go check us out on Twitter. Yeah, that's our Twitter. You want to rep your channel? Yeah, I was going to say, I have a Twitch that I'm trying to get off the ground here, uh, where I do uh, mostly retro gaming. Old, like, Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. Which goes and, very well with and stuff like episode. that. Yeah. And uh, so that is, uh, I am at Kaleidoscope underscore system on Twitter, and my Twitch channel is, no, that's, no, my Twitch channel is Kaleidoscope underscore system. I am at Kaleidoscope J on Twitter. That's it. See, I get them mixed up because I changed the one say, before keep, we got started. You and it's like, you gotta, it, yeah. you gotta wait like 60 days before you can change, change it again. It again. So like, mm-hmm. Yeah, nope, I get it. Anyway. I totally get it. Trust um, me, I'm stuck in that loop right now. I think that's about everything. I, I think, think we're is. done for this episode. I have really enjoyed spending this time with you. And I have really enjoyed having you. It's been a lot of fun, and I would love to do it again soon. I completely agree. Awesome. I concur. Well, I hope that this has been fun for all of you watching. I hope we've entertained you for the last couple of hours. And or listening, since we don't have video today. (laughs) I ran headfirst into that one. Like, genuinely. Like, there was a bullseye, and you just Uh, like... Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a head injury to show for it, though. Got it in! Yes! High five. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Next week, Jacob and I are planning on finally getting back to our normal schedule. And our plan is to do uh, what we talked about last time, which is our discussion on alignment systems. For all of you who were waiting to hear that this week. I know, I'm waiting for that. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of tangents. So, I think that's it. So, you guys all have a great day. And? Stay distracted. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.